Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Tuesday morning. It is absolutely spectacular here in Hamilton, Ohio. By, by the way, oh yeah, well, why did you have... Good morning, everybody. I hope your day is off to a beautiful start. We welcome Casey. Hey, Tom. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Zebra, we have lots to get into with you today. I'm sure we do. But this is kind of a Dr. Phil moment sort of moment with you. But okay. w- w- what is the deal? Last night, what you is send deal, out Tom? something on social media about Elliot and me. In pre- Did you see it, Elliot? I saw it. In prepping for the show, some snide thing. Of the ham- Where was that from? What was that Secession. all about? What's the purpose? Secession. The set, what is the session? Secession's at HBO. Oh, Secession. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, Secession's okay, okay. the HBO okay. show. Yep. And uh, in the scene, they're at a, the Republican convention or something like that, and they make the snide comment where, like, this is a safe place where you don't have to pretend like you like Hamilton. And that's what it feels like every time that, that we start this show. You guys just do this little you do this little ballet show like like you guys like <laughs> Hamilton, but I know deep down it, it just it just eats you guys alive that you're here every, I, every day. I don't want to speak for Tom, but deep down, we both love Hamilton. Thank you. You are we, speaking for me when you use those words. Okay. Of course you do. I, we, we all do. We love it. We love it. We just like to bring attention to some of the faults of Hamilton. Like, you're wandering through the forest on a crisp fall day. Yep. And bang, you get hit with a bullet. <laughs> That's, these are just some of the things, some of the things that we bring up. It's, it's out of love. I love it. I love the fact that any day the, the sky would hit me with a bullet. It's, it's part of the wonder of this city. I, I don't slander any of it. Tom and Tom doesn't. We both went to Never. Pumpkin Town. We, we love, love the love hospitality it. that is shown every day when we come in here. I pull in across the street, still dark outside. I run into our guys from Pawnee in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Friendly. I mean, so friendly. Uh, now, when, when the studio door opens... And Elliot comes in, heat's not working in the car, gets you <laughs> off to a rough start, right? It's a rough one. It's a tough one. Do you roll down the windows or they work? <laughs> Do you roll them up? He keeps, he keeps a pack of those hand warmers. Those work. He just puts them throughout his I, I, I'm thinking what I'm going to have to do, and it's unfortunate. I'm going to have to get one of those, you know, those small heaters. Space they sell heater. It. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna <laughs> have to get one of those. Good. Yeah, I'm going to put it in the car. And, yeah. and, 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 you know, where everybody's laughing at that, that's not even a joke. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Home Depot right after this. Well, you know, they have those insane. little fireplaces now that there's yeah. no smoke. Have you seen those? I have seen those. Those things are sweet. We could start a fire right in, the, right in the car. So one log in there, sit <laughs> in the passenger seat. Yeah. Right? It's, it, it's worth a thought, if nothing else. Yeah. Well, we welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by our good friends at United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman with a cast and crew of thousands. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10, hey. 12. Hey. You can find us on YouTube, Chatterbox Sports page. We also broadcast live. Are we on today on Twitter? Yes, Tom. At Seabox Sports. Always have to double check because we're never quite sure. If you'd rather join us in podcast form, by all means, just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman. You're dialed in. No rest for the weary, as the saying goes. Bengals beginning to get ready on a short week for the Minnesota Vikings. And that is a Saturday game, remember, at 1 o'clock. Now, lots of questions surrounding key personnel for Minnesota. Who's the quarterback? Joshua Dobbs has been the starter since Kirk Cousins was injured. Last week, he got benched after getting sacked five times and throwing for 60 yards. 
wide receiver. Justin Jefferson, their great star, returned for the first time in two months last week, then took a vicious hit where he suffered a chest injury. He's a wait and see for Saturday. Running back, starter Alexander Madison. He rolled an ankle on Sunday, had to leave the game. No word on his status. When all said and done, the bottom line for the Bengalis, just keep on winning, see what happens. Over their final four games, three will come against backup quarterbacks because the Steelers said yesterday Kenny Pickett had the ankle surgery. He's going to be out a while. One of the great things about the NFL, maybe the best thing about it, in, in, and they're the behemoth, right? They're the giant in every room, is you never know what's going to happen. I mean, week to week, game to game, heck, even inside of a game. Case in point, last night in Miami, the heavily favored Dolphins led Tennessee by seven with five minutes to go. The Titans fumbled the ball. Dolphins, two plays, Bang, touchdown. They go up by 14, 434 left. Tennessee marches down the field, scores a touchdown, goes for two. They get it. They pull within six. The Dolphins go three and out at that point. Titans get the ball. 214 to go. March down the field, score again, and win the game 28 to 27. It marked the first time since 2016 where a team rallied to win down by 14 or more with three minutes to go in the game. With the loss, a big one for Miami. Dolphins slip one game behind Baltimore for the top seed in the AFC. Meanwhile, in the Meadowlands, doubleheader on Monday Night Football, the Green Bay Packers were shocked by the New York football giants. 24-22, the G-Man ran for over 200 yards in the win. The Pack had a golden chance to create a little bit of separation in that NFC playoff race. Instead, they're now tied with four other teams at 6-7 and seven on the year. Can you believe that? We'll get into more of that in a minute. Reed made a great point a little while ago. I know it's hard to believe, but he did. And, uh, and, and, and we're going to hear from him. College football, North Carolina quarterback Drake May announced he's headed to the NFL. He'll skip the Tar Heels Bowl game later this month. Some believe he might be the top pick in the draft, even ahead of Caleb Williams. Is the nation's top high school quarterback changing his mind again? Remember the former All-Pro center for 15 years with the Detroit Lions, Dominic Riola? He went to Nebraska. His son, Dylan Riola, is the number one ranked high school senior quarterback in the country. A year and a half ago, he commits to Ohio State, changes his mind, flips to Georgia. Well, yesterday, word is now he's changing his mind again. This time going to his daddy's alma mater, Nebraska, where, by the way, Kyle McCord is visiting today from Ohio State. As far as Raiola is concerned, I certainly hope the Huskers are not banking on that. College hoops, you see back on the home floor, looking to rebound from Saturday's loss to rival Xavier. Bryant comes to Cincinnati for the second time this season. They were here against Xavier back in November. Lost to the Muskies 175. It should be noted, Bryant this year beat number 10 Florida Atlantic 61 to 52. So this is not necessarily a layup tonight. And in baseball, I think everybody and his brother is in shock of what we have learned about the Shohei Otani deal. 
Now, it's one thing that he got the 10-year, $700 million contract from the Dodgers, right? So even my Anderson High School math, which I struggled even to get a D minus, okay, I can figure out that that is 10 years, $70 million, right? Mm-hmm. No. Otani will make $2 million a year for each of the next 10 years. He has deferred $680 million. $68 million a year he will be paid starting the year of our Lord 2034 through the year of our Lord 2043. This will save the Dodgers enormous money on that luxury tax hit that if you go over a certain threshold, you start getting taxed on your team payroll. There are some that say that Major League Baseball and even the Players Union will step in to fight this deal. Time will tell. Any word from Mr. Brian Billick yet? No, sir. Okay. Hoping to get Brian Billick. He's on some, uh, you know, some uh, luxurious getaway golf vacation. Said he was kind enough to join us today. We'll find out if he comes through on that. Nick Kirby coming up a little bit later on. Uh, and we're going to talk about the Shohei deal. Uh, we start, however, with, I got to tell you, there are things you wake up in the morning. And I didn't stay up. I was tired last night. Wife's out of town. Our dog and I, Oliver, climbed in the rack. Deep schnooze by about 10p. So I didn't stay up to watch the games last night. So I get up this morning early, reading about the games a little bit, getting ready for the show. And then across X slash Twitter comes the formal announcement that Elliot, oh, no. you oh, what a turn. have given up gambling. Is that true or false? Or is this just a bit for those of us to feel sorry for you because you were under your bed not even to wanting to look at the television after the uh, series of events unfolded in Miami last night. It's true. It's true. I, I, I've, I've taken It's true time. you were under your bed? I, no, not that part. I was I, – listen, I was I, – I, I gambled last night responsibly. I did my best. I tried my hardest, as I always do. But last night I, I took a loss. It was, it was a big loss, and, and I can't bear to do it anymore, Tom. I, I was coming off a great week last week. I had a phenomenal week. One of, the, one of the best weeks in the history of gambling. But yesterday, Tom, and I kid you not, I lost every single bet. I can't win a bet. Oh, no. I'm How just, many I, did you have? I'm on a streak, Tom. I had seven bets. You had seven bets on two games? Yeah, seven. <laughs> S- seven bets. And, and here's the thing. You know, I, I did my part. I, I studied each pick. I, I researched each pick. No, you didn't. And each pick came up so short, Tom. It was scary how short. I live bet the Dolphins at some point during that game yeah. when, when the Titans had a lead. Uh, it got down to about like one and a half. I bet it. Dolphins took a 14-point lead with four minutes left. <laughs> Three minutes. I was doing victory laps. I was running around the house, rolling around, doing somersaults. And when I got back from my victory lap, I had seen that not only have the, tit- or have the, have the Titans – Come within one score. They've taken the lead. All within a minute. A minute of game time, Tom. So I'm done. I've retired. I can't do it any longer. 
I thank Bedford Sportsbook for their service. Uh, I'm sure they're thanking me for my donation. And that's all there is. I, as of right now, I'm retired. Could I unretire by the end of this show? Sure. If I like something on the board, <laughs> if I like it, Tom, I'm going to ride it. But as of right now, at this very second, I'm officially retired from gambling. What What is the picture? Uh, I, I mean, I did see a picture. Did I not of you, you under the bed? You did. Yeah. What was I, that all I, about? I wasn't under the bed. I was just laying on the floor because I was, I was just a dead man. And I thought it would be uh, it would be interesting to encapsulate my my feelings at that moment. So I, there I was lying on the floor like I was dead. What's what's funny, Tom, is is I sent our our group chat a text because I had Titans plus thirteen and a half, so they just had to cover fourteen points. Oh, good they're, bet, good bet. They're getting the ball back with five minutes to go. It's a tie <laughs> ball game, so I'm I cash this bet in my mind. Muffed punt, touchdown. Yeah. First play on the offensive possession the next time. Fumble, easy touchdown. I blinked. I text these guys. I didn't know that Elliot was on minus one and a half of. The, yes, you did. The, yes, no, I, I did. did. I did not. I swear. I text these guys. I said, "What a terrible beat plus thirteen and a half is," and then it turns well, out that his minus one and a half was it, such a worse beat. Well, and here's the thing. It's I, Tom. I don't know if you know this. You don't gamble. I. There's things as such as reverse jinxes. Okay. And Reed was doing everything in his power last night with that reverse jinx. Titans are dead. It's the worst beat ever. Blah, 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 yeah. blah, They were down 14. Believe me. I believe you. He used that voodoo magic, Tom, That's right. to spite me and kill my bet. And now I'm dead. Hmm. All right, I got nothing to say. I, got, I, mean, I don't. I, don't I'm, I will not apologize for winning my bet. If you want an apology, it's not going to happen. Well, that's, a sh that's unfortunate. That's a shame. Well, you know, I mean, it, there's really not a great uh, lineup of sporting events tonight. You just had that NBA in-season tournament thing, right? You, no, got, you got really the college basketball schedule tonight. It's hard to believe. Between last night and tonight, I mean, virtually nothing. I get it on a Monday night. You don't want to go up against football or whatever. And, but some teams still have to play. But even tonight, I was looking at the schedule. I mean, UC's playing, like I said, Bryant. But there's really not much going on. I mean, not, none of the big – there's some monster games this weekend, though. Man. I mean, Saturday, there's a triple header, I think, on CBS. And you've got, like, UCLA playing somebody. you got Kentucky playing North Carolina. Now, if that isn't the matchup of the Blue Bloods, I don't know what is. That's a great game right there. We'll that's see if Cal can game. get up for that one. He didn't get up for UNC. Cal! He didn't get up for UNC Wilmington at home, but. Cal. You know, I'm still that, 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 that dude, you know, I mean, from Kentucky, I, I'm looking at the emails now. You know, he wrote me back twice. Uh, UCLA's playing Ohio State. That's a good game. Of course, they'll be playing regularly a year from now. Yeah, that's right. With UCLA coming into the Big Ten. Ohio State's off to a great start. They got a nice team. Um, yeah, so there's some big-time games this weekend. But, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm waiting to find out what the deal is with Cal. My guess is is that had they not lost to UNC Wilmington, we probably would have had him on. But you know how that Kentucky fan base can be, man. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. tough. I mean, they're beating him down. I know you just talked about UCLA just then. I don't know if you saw the press conference, the the uh, post game presser with Mick Cronin. I did not. I've missed these so much. I, my friend Zach, he's the best. My my friend Zach uh, brought me onto this. There was a press conference he had with UC where 
Uh, I believe UC lost to someone terrible, and he came up afterwards, I'm going to start recruiting the football team. They're going to come in and take these guys' spots. Uh, in every press conference he had, he was a phenomenal coach. But it was he, he was very, very funny after games, after losses specifically. And I think after their most recent loss, I forget who they lost to, but he came out and started saying, oh, well, this guy played for Drexel. And, and he started bashing the other team. It was very funny. It was a very funny speech. Um, but, yeah, I, I've missed Mick Cronin. I wish he would come back. You know, there's a case in point. We'll, we'll, we'll find another time to get into this because there's a lot of other things going on. But, you know, I, I, I tell you, it's, it's funny. For, for being such a provincial city, uh, Cincinnati, and, and loving our quote-unquote own, which every city's like that in that regard, but I, I, Cincinnati especially so, and maybe I only say that because I've lived here for, for many, many years of my life. But, but I, really, I really felt like the entire time Cronin was here that he just was never appreciated here. Now, maybe that was because he was on the heel of Huggins, right? And everybody loved Hugs. Yep. I mean, Xavier didn't love Hugs, but everybody else loved Hugs. But we'll get into that a little bit later on because I got some thoughts. Um, I don't know if he's getting ready here uh, for the uh, senior U.S. Open in another year or two from now. Maybe he is. I mean, you know, I wouldn't put it past him. He was a big-time athlete, big-time, um, in his collegiate days. And then went on to get, you know, tryouts in the National Football League as a wide receiver and all that kind of thing. Uh, he went into coaching, and of course, he uh, became a Super Bowl winning head coach for the Baltimore Ravens. Casey is checking to see if Brian Billick is lined up and if anything is working, because he is out of town. Now, 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 why does Mouse Cop have to go into the drunken driving stuff about Huggins? Because he's a Xavier well, I mean, troll. Why do we have to go there? He's a there? Xavier troll. I mean, I just don't understand, Mouse Cop. Why do we got to go there? I was just talking about hugs in his days at UC, and he had it he had a, he had a going on. I'm not going to bring up the illegal recruiting violations of their head coach, so I, I don't know why he has to go at our head coaches. Well, one of these things are not like the other. That's but... true, but it's both two wrongs don't make a right, Rita Ruth. That's true. That's true. You know, that's the thing. It's funny you say that because it made me think. I don't know how many pieces of video I saw yesterday on, uh, on social media from Kansas City fans uh, about, you know, all of a sudden finding a, a piece of video from Tom Brady. You see that chasing an official off the field, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and yelling and screaming and all that kind of thing. Yeah, he did. I mean, look, we sat here yesterday, and uh, we having problems. Uh, it's not a stable connection, but okay. you want to try anyway. Oh, we'll try see. anyway and see what happens. Uh, Brian Billick joining us from um, the friendly confines, I believe, of uh, sunny South Carolina, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Good morning, Coach. Hope you're doing well, my friend. Are you? How's the golf game? I, I mean, is it getting better? Are you, you starting to get the yips? What's going on there? We're, we're going to find out this afternoon. Hit it okay <laughs> yesterday. Going to try today, and we'll. Uh, we, you know how it is with the golf. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm well aware. That's why I quit. That's why I quit yeah. many, many years ago. Yes. More bad than I, good. I can still get out there though and move around a little bit. Hey, uh, I want to ask you about the officiating thing because you know you and I used to laugh and kid around a lot together all the years we were broadcasting NFL games, and we spend a lot of time together when when you got a partner. You know, we're, to, we're together all day Friday, Friday night, Saturday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And, and you start having a chance to really, you know, talk about things that, you know, when you were a coach of this or you were a play caller that. And, and look, you were a guy that, you know, 
I'm not going to say that, that you had an antagonistic relationship with the officials, but you certainly were not afraid to let them know if you disagreed with what was going right. on. Um, was going. For, were, you, were you surprised or at all by the whole Kansas City? Let me start with the, with the call itself. Now, it seems to me that's football 101. The guy lined up offsides. They threw the flag. Okay. Were, were you surprised by just that call? Not, not really, because it, at the end of the day, and you're right, I mean, there's two times of calls. Late in the game, holding, pass interference, you know, that's so subjective anyway. And and you could kind of parse parse it down the middle and say that. But something like that, I mean, either the guy's offsides or he's not. He either stepped out of bounds or he didn't. Calls like that, the officials have to look at it and go, well, the guy's lined up offsides. I got to throw the flag. Now, if and you know the minute they made the big play, the guy that made the call had to go. Oh boy, this is not going to because yeah, do you not? Is that kind of ticky tack at the end? Yeah, given the circumstances, but at the end of the day, you can't make calls that way. Lined up offside. If they had run the ball for two yards, gotten the penalty, it would have been oh, okay. Well, that's you know that's an unfortunate penalty, but. No one would have said anything. It's because of the consequence of the play. And in fairness, they had three more shots now, and they had three stations. So to say that costs us the game and it's the officials and it's terrible, you know, yeah, you're emotional and I get it. And, you you know, you kind of maybe we shouldn't make a call like that. But at the end of the day, the official, you were offside. You got to call it. I also said yesterday that uh, I totally understand the heat of the moment. And you can certainly appreciate yeah. this even far more than, than, than me or anybody because you've been down there. We have not. I understand a guy getting getting pissed off and, and getting angry and slamming a helmet and all that stuff. I mean, I totally get it. Um but what happens, Brian? What, what do you, were you surprised that after you have the whatever it is, 5, 10, 15 minutes, sort of yeah. a cooling off period at the end of a game, you walk back in the locker room, you have a few minutes to catch your breath, and both Andy Reid and Mahomes came out there and just blistered the officials. Um, yeah. Did that surprise you? A little bit because normally, and as one who has done that my fair share of times, okay, and I've always said, you know, the fish 75,000 money and they, they take that money. Okay. That's not just a, uh, you know, uh, uh, for show, um, that is a tough time. And someone, in fact, when they were going off the field, cause he didn't see Andy at the end of the game, but you obviously saw Mahomes cause the cameras on, him. um, I'm actually in South Carolina with Kevin Byrne, our, our hall of fame, uh, director mm -hmm. of public relations in, in Baltimore, the best, one of the godfathers of PR. Yep. And we were talking about someone needed to get a hold of them right after the game and say, okay, I know we're upset. Yeah, we got screwed, yada, yada. But let's, let's take a breath and think about what is it you are going to accomplish by ventilations right now? Uh, justify, understandable, I get it. But what, what are you going to accomplish? Not much. So yeah, there need to be there need to be someone with a calmer perspective to say, yeah, I understand the emotion, but let's let's think through how we're going to respond here. 
the last thing I want to ask you about this is just you, you give us some insight here, Brian, about what happens probably yesterday. And, and, and look, this wasn't like arguing some pass interference thing. And like you said, right. subjective. But I mean, this was a huge story in the NFL on Sunday night in the yesterday, the reaction of Mahomes and Reed and the Chiefs and so forth. So whereas maybe under normal circumstances, correct me here if I'm wrong, uh, you as the head coach the next day, under a normal kind of a call, you might have a, a conversation, right, with the head of officials. W would the situation yesterday warrant maybe Roger Goodell getting on that call or probably not? Roger, if it warranted anything, it would be Roger Goodell calling Andy going, hey, look, unfortunate circumstance, but you got to, we can't impugn the integrity of this league. I mean, I yes, you turned in a board afterwards questioning a fit, uh, calls that were made or weren't made. This is there's nothing to question here. The guy lined up offsides. Now, what do you want the official to do? Do you want him to well, he kind of lined up offsides, or he kind of stepped out of bounds? But boy, that was a big play. You you, you can't officiate it that way. There's no call to be made in that. Now, is it all that an epic finish like that? was affected, but yeah, you know, I, I got to, like I said, I got to believe the official when he made the call and saw the result, kind of thought, oh boy, this is, this is not going to be good, not going to be easy. But suppose the pass had been, Kelsey had been incomplete. Would, would, would there still be the Fuhrer? Would we be questioning the, the integrity of the officials in the league? Would everybody be up in arms? No, it was just an unfortunate penalty. Okay. So we can't let the fact that the consequence that it negates huge, that has absolutely nothing to do with it. The guy was offsides. You got to make the call. Or, and likewise, if they hadn't made the call and Kansas City has a big win, had Buffalo come back and gone off, oh my God, the guy lined up offside. How did they not make that call? Officiating the NFL, this is embarrassing. Would they have been justified? doing that sure they would emotionally end of the day the officials make the call and as it turns out as you see the guy lined up off sides all right last thing i want to ask you about uh here here the bengals are they get another great game out of jake browning the offense all this kind of thing i mean they got it going on and there there is a lot of hope back here in cincinnati uh, and we'll see how the whole thing plays out what we do know is, of their last four games, three are going to come against backup quarterbacks. This has been the year of the injured quarterback. Not just here in Cincinnati. It's happened in Minnesota. It's happened just recently over the weekend with um, C.J. Stroud, with Justin Herbert. The list goes on and on and on and on. Going back to the first series of the first game in Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't seem to me, Brian, there's anything the league can do about these kinds of injuries. It's not like guys are getting blown up. Now, the Stroud injury, eh, I think that, that 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 one was a little shaky. But you know what I'm getting at here. I mean, they've done so much to protect the quarterback, but this stuff just seems like it's stuff that there's nothing you can do about it. No, and the fact that we have quarterbacks that are such good athletes that extend the plays – either outside the pocket or inside the pocket with their athleticism, expose them to more hits. Uh, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady were brilliant and had 20-year careers because they knew to get rid of the ball 
in critical situations where they had it too long. They didn't expose themselves to the hits that the guys today do, either by running the ball or expending time, extending time in the pocket, and then they end up getting hit. So quarterbacks today, even though we are gone to extreme measures to protect them, because of the nature of the athlete are getting hit more today. Maybe not as violently, they're certainly more protected, getting hit more because they're spells to hits more. All right. There was one last thing I wanted to ask you about because I'm always fascinated. I was even talking to my dad about this last night, last night and your name came up about the chapter in one of the books you wrote about evaluating quarterbacks and all kind of thing. And, and that was more to do with guys coming out of college. I'm curious right, right now, because we had a long conversation about this yesterday. If you are the head coach of the Chicago Bears today, and I, I, just, I just think this topic's so fascinating. Justin Fields is really starting to play well. He's only thrown one pick in the last five games. He's thrown six touchdowns. He's run for five touchdowns. They're, they're playing well. They're winning games. You know that Caleb Williams and maybe Drake May are out there sitting around in the draft. Do, do, do you, if you're the Bears, what do you do? Boy, that is t- it really does come down to how much do you really believe Justin Fields is on the incline. Um, and, and, and it's, it's so difficult to turn around and make a first round draft choice, then turn around a year or two later and have to do the exact same thing and expend those resources on the same position. Um, and it does it go down to your evaluation of, of the college guys coming up and you, Caleb Williams is a perfect example. There's no reason Caleb Williams should not be a phenomenal pro, but we also know that's a 50, 50 crapshoot. Uh, when you take it so and they're living that right now with Justin Fields so my guess is in the totality if they really feel like Fields is really beginning to come on and we talked about this before uh, Bill Walsh legendary Bill Walsh really felt like by the 23rd 24th 25th start you know now it might happen earlier but if if it's not showing up then it's not there so it's Justin Fields, I don't know what his exact start number. He's probably he's like, on that He's cusp, like 34, 35. He's somewhere in that area right there. 34, yeah. 35. So if it's if the arrow's pointing up, you got to think. Plus, you got to look at what's going on around it. Is he having some of the things there who just haven't been very good? And so, yeah. So it certainly is a lot easier for them to believe that they've got their guy in Justin Fields than it is to make the huge organizational commitment and their commitment of resources to say, we're giving up on this first-round draft choice to go get another first-round draft choice. Yeah, okay. Brian, hit him straight down there. Hey, tell Kevin Byrne, if I'm not mistaken, he's born and raised Cleveland guy, right? He is. Tell him him I said hello and send him our very best. I miss seeing him. We'll do it, guy. All right, man. Take it easy. Brian Billick, kind enough to join us from uh, South Carolina today. He's out there playing some golf. Kevin Burns an awesome dude, and he's right about uh, being one of the legendary PR guys in football. He was one of the few guys that made the move from Cleveland to Baltimore. Worked for Art Modell, PR director, was there during that dark year. I did a couple of games there that year. The Browns last year in Cleveland when Belichick was a coach. I, I don't know if I've ever been part of a sports venue that was weirder in my life than, than that last year in Cleveland because all of the sponsors had pulled out. Did you know, they, now you walk into a stadium and you're in a I mean, you go to a Reds game, man, and you are just like, 
and they're not alone. It's every baseball stadium, but especially Great America. It just seems like there is like, like you know, what do they call it? Sign pollution. What do they call it? We're just, just a right. sign. There's a billboard everywhere for right. a company, right? Right. right. And, and that year in Cleveland, they already knew the Browns were leaving. Every single advertiser had pulled its billboards and signage out of old Cleveland Municipal Stadium. And it was so weird. And of course, it was in the winter. It's just dark and dreary and brutal. And, you know, I mean, it was just, it was bizarre. But Kevin Byrne was there for all that. And then he goes on to Baltimore. And, and now he's hanging out with Brian Billy playing golf in South Carolina. Good for him. Um, but, you know, you, <clears throat> go ahead. You were going to say I was going to say, do they still have, it's, it's not no longer Cleveland Municipal Stadium. Did they get a new stadium? Yeah, they, they got a new stadium. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was uh, the old, the old uh, Municipal Stadium was unbelievable, man. I mean, unbelievable. Right? They used to have an event there every year and getting off baseball for a minute. But they had, and we'll never see this again in, in, in music. They used to have every year in Cleveland, and it's one of the reasons the, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is in Cleveland. They used to have every summer in Cleveland, Ohio, an event that was called the World Series of Rock and Roll. It would be one day. And starting at like 10 o'clock in the morning, like the sixth band down the trail would be Aerosmith. <laughs> and then the next one would be somebody like fill in the blank. Your top two headline acts going back to back in one venue would be Led Zeppelin and then the Rolling Stones. It was unbelievable. The stadium seated 88,000. But when you put people on the field, it was like 105,000. It was unfreaking believable. The, the first ever World Series of Rock at, at uh, Cleveland Municipal Stadium. The lowest tiered band was REO Speedwagon, yeah. followed by Leonard Skinner. Yep. Then Joe Walsh. Yep. And then it was the Beach Boys were, yeah. the, were the headlines. I mean, they so had the it going one. on. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. The World Series of Rock. Wish they could bring that back. You can't. You can't do it anymore. Um, okay, back to uh, the Bengals here for a second. Now. You know, every week is different. We hear that, and we learned a lesson last night. We talked about it in a monologue about you know just what happened just in the last four minutes of the game with Tennessee and Miami. I don't mean to bring it up again, Elliot. But now all of a sudden, you know, Minnesota coming into town. Three weeks ago, they were one of the hottest teams in the league. Kirk Cousins goes down. They make the trade with Arizona. They bring in Joshua Dobbs. Arizona knew that Kyler Murray was coming back. So Dobbs goes to Minnesota. They rip off three, four, five wins in a row. And, I mean, they're rolling. Well, now all of a sudden, it doesn't look so good. What do you think when all is said and done, if you are Kevin O'Connell, who's considered to be an outstanding head coach, um, what do you do at quarterback this week? I know we're still, you know, it's a Tuesday and we're looking at Saturday, but he benched Joshua Dobbs the other day. Mm -hmm. They won the game three to nothing. So start at quarterback. I mean, are you going, what, C.J. Beathard? No, not Beathard. It's uh, Nick uh, Mullins. Nick Mullins. The, the, the other former Niner quarterback, Nick Mullins. Right. Beathard used to be there, too. What, what are you going to do? Casey, who are you going to start? I mean, they're, right now, they are in the playoffs. And you have started Dobbs for the better part of seven, eight, nine weeks now. I mean, Tom, that's a, that's a really good question. Um if you're asking me, 
I would have looked at maybe the how long you've been in the system. I know that Kevin O'Connell's system system is very um, just based off of the, the the quarterbacks show on Netflix. It's very intricate. It's very detailed. Um, Kirk Cousins had a really hard time learning it his first year. Didn't really get the hang of it until halfway through that season, and that was even with spring training on top of that. Yeah, spring training, training camp. Thank you. Um, I guess that, and just based off of that knowledge alone, I probably would go with Mullins. I think he's been there longer than than Dobbs. I know Dobbs probably is more athletic. He's probably maybe a little more gifted at throwing the football than Mullins. Um, I think we all can agree with that. Mullins did not look good with a very good 49ers team. Yeah. So that's a tough call. That is a really tough call. I don't know if it matters because Bengals on on paper, on defense, should be able to get to that quarterback pretty often with, with Trey Hendrickson there. So I'm not saying that they're screwed or anything. I just think – that offense maybe needs to be dumbed down a little bit. Or they need to go back to what they did when Dobbs first got there. I mean, he, what, beat, I don't remember who he beat, but he had like three, his four touchdowns. Week, yeah, his first week, he, he, he rocks right in there. And it was a great story, right? He gets yep, traded midweek. And, you know, he, it's his third team in a year because he started out training camp, as, as you mentioned, with uh, the Cleveland Browns, moves over to Arizona, plays all right. And it's a good story. He didn't know any of the receivers' names. Yep. But it's just that. It's a story, and it, and it fell right before eyes. I mean, I, we watched uh, on primetime football the other week when he had four interceptions in the game. He looked terrible. And he gets benched for Nick Mullins. you got to go with Mullins. He won you the game on Sunday. You've got to go with the guy. Like, if, if, if in the heat of battle you're saying Josh Dobbs isn't good enough for you to play anymore, then you got to go with the guy that won you the game, and that's Nick Mullins because he's been there longer. And they still got good pieces around him. They still got like they they've got guys to throw to. I don't know if JJ is going to play, but TJ Hawkinson's going to be a good piece. But this is still a quote unquote playoff team, even though they are six and seven. So this they, they can win with a guy that's that knows the system, that's an experienced quarterback, and so I think they got to go with Mullins. Yeah, Josh Jobs has been bad for several weeks now. It's last I think it was uh, they played the Bears. He threw four interceptions. Yep. just horrible. You have to go with Nick Mullins just for the just for the sake of the team, really. There's, there would be no point in starting Joshua Dobbs. Well, then you have, uh, as we mentioned in the monologue as well, you have your best wide receiver who you haven't had in two months. And, and he comes back and he takes a hit and, and it was ugly and it was bad. And they say it's a bruised, deeply bruised chest. Um, you know, O'Connell wouldn't commit one way or the other to say if he thought he was going to play. Uh, and then there's Madison. I mean, an ankle is a whole different game, man. Addison's good back. He had 10 carries yeah. for almost 70 yards in that game. Uh, last week before he injured his ankle and had to come out. So, again, I mean, for the Bengals, you still never know who might step in there because, you know, look, the, the Jaguars are going against Jake Browning, right, exactly uh, eight days ago. Right. And they thought that, huh, after watching the Steelers, you know, we, we got these guys. And then he goes out and looks like King Kong. So the next guy up might have a really good game. But it just it doesn't feel like things might be – might be falling into place a little bit for the Bengals, for the Bengals, maybe. I, yes, they are, and that's what scares me, Tom. Yeah. That is a hundred percent what scares me because things things don't happen like this around here too often. To where you know you are, you do go to your backup quarterback. Joe Burrow gets hurt, and it feels like the world's imploding for for Cincinnati Bengals fans. 
Then they lose the Steelers, and you're like, ah, oh, whatever, the season's over. And then they look good for a game. They look good for another game. And though they have a lot of playoff teams on the schedule ahead of them, all of them are with a backup quarterback except for the Kansas City Chiefs. So you're like, man, is are these are these kind of folding together for us? Elliot, before the Houston Texans game, called the Texans game. This is absolutely a trap game. Listen, the Cincinnati Bengals are four-point favorites. They're at home against a team coming off their two worst games of the season in the Minnesota Vikings. Well, they, they won one, so I guess you can't call the other one, but they won 3 nothing. This feels a little bit like a trap game. I know it's hard to say when you have your backup quarterback in there that you can fall into a trap, but after looking like they did the past two weeks, this is a team that's playing much better than the Minnesota Vikings. If they play like they've played the last two weeks, both teams, then the Bengals will go out there and they'll win easy. That's what scares me, Tom. Yep. That's what scares me is that it does feel absolutely like this is a game that the Bengals will will slip up and fall. Yeah, I mean, if if Justin Jefferson is healthy, we don't I, – I, I'm not going to take credit for this. This is not my take. This is uh, a, a good friend of the program, Austin Elmore. The weapons that the Vikings – have at their disposal TJ Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson. Don't count out Alexander Madison. Don't count out uh, Addison, Jordan Addison. That that group of uh, of, of yep. skilled positions. Yep. I mean, we're down Cam Taylor Britt. We have a bunch of rookies in the backfield. We don't really protect the tight end very well. It's not a great matchup uh, in terms of defense versus offense. And, and then it hurts too, yeah. And then you look at the other Dude, side of the ball. On, come on. I mean, come on. I'm they just, just I'm just three saying points I'm with against you, the I'm with Raiders. You, the Raiders. I, I get it, you. but it, it spells trap game all over it. And I'm just listing oh the reasons why <laughs> that could potentially oh be a trap God. game. I'm okay, not gonna fall victim on, like I did on. against the Texans. Come on. Okay. What? These are the points. These are the You're points. comparing a team led by C.J. Stroud at that point in time who might end up having the best rookie season of any quarterback in the history of the league. Yeah. And Joshua Dobbs and Nick Mullins? Casey. What? I mean, you know, you, you keep going <laughs> like this. I mean, you remind me of having to walk to classes in Athens, Ohio. It's always <laughs> like this. I was in such good shape then. I mean, seriously. I mean, they have one I mean, of the. You said D U N. You and Elliot Rearing both said three weeks ago D U N. Done. Season over. Then you're at the top of the mountain after Jacksonville. Top of the mountain. Oh my God. Look what we did to the, the Colts. And now you're telling me about Nick Mullins and Joshua Dobbs and the tight end being a bad matchup for a team that scored three points last week. Yeah, I, I understand. I get what you're saying, Thank Tom. You. But I, I wasn't finished yet either. Okay. I was just I was just my explaining. Bad, my bad. Daniel Hunter, too, on the other side of the football, one of the best pass rushers. We don't do well against top-tier pass rushers. There's a lot of blitzing packages. That is a little scary. Yes, but as, as for the Vikings' offense, listen, the Bengals scored more points between the times of one and four on Sunday than the Vikings had the last three weeks. So, like, let's, let's not <laughs> praise this Vikings offense. And they've got the weapons. If J.J. can play, which I don't know what that looks like, T.J. Hawkinson's obviously a very good tight end. But come on, guys. 
And I know our defense is is in shambles right now. Like our defense has not looked good other than this past Sunday well, for a long Jacksonville, time. Well, Jacksonville, they weren't bad. They weren't yeah, great, points, but they but weren't bad. I know, but they weren't bad. Thirty-one points is a lot of points, but yeah, I. I feel the sentiment. So, yeah, may, maybe the Vikings can come into to Baycor Stadium on Saturday and, and put up 30 points. I don't see it. I, I, I truly don't see it. And that's what scares me, once again, is that this feels like I, it, it is very reminiscent of, of where I was, again, before the Texans game, where it feels like everything's kind of folding, falling into pieces. Um, this Bengals team for now nine weeks has been very good out of, for six of them. So, I don't know. The good news is that, again, you look around the NFL, I really believe – there might be only three teams that are significantly better than the Bengals right now. There's only three, and two of them are in the NFC. So I think if you're the Bengals right now, you take it game by game. You take you beat the Minnesota Vikings because, like Tom just said, it's Nick Mullins, it's Joshua Dobbs. You've already beaten Joshua Dobbs. You already did, you, Joshua Dobbs did not look good with the Cardinals against the Bengals. He did not. You take what you, you take this game. You win it. You move on. You take it game by game, and we'll get to the playoffs. We're placing backup quarterbacks the rest of the way. So, take it. Win it. Except for Patrick Mahomes. Dude, they, don't, they don't look good either, though. So, it's like... Yeah, he's pretty much a backup anyways. That's you just said something very interesting, though, and I think, it, I, I think it's, it's accurate. And it just goes to show you the, the, the state, again, of the NFL and something we talked about in the open and how you just never know. I mean, maybe we're all madmen sitting in here thinking that the Bengals could beat anybody, what you just said, in the AFC, maybe with the exception of Baltimore. I think that's probably who yep. you're referring to. Um, it's amazing to sit here and think that, but, but I mean, can't you kind of see it? Now, they're going to get a chance to beat one of those teams. We're going to have our Power Five coming up right after 11 o'clock today and our, our power rankings and our picks from last week. Have Nick Kirby coming up a little bit later on in the show. But after watching Kansas City, I got to be honest with you, uh, and, and, and I may sound like a fool for saying this because one has a better record than the other. Now only one game difference, two game difference. But I'll tell you right now, if I had to play at Arrowhead versus playing at Buffalo right now, I'd rather play at Arrowhead. Both are tough games. Yeah, yeah, listen. If I had to play the Bills or the Chiefs today, I would rather play Kansas City. I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's I, – I think they're th- – and then yeah, Miami, Miami, am I buying oh, Miami? Oh, I'd much rather play at Miami than those two places, 100%. Well, for sure. I would much rather, and, and yes. that's with with our defense looking like it is against that offense. I mean, they might put up 30, but I, I don't believe in the Miami Dolphins at all. I, You know, we, we, we constantly talk about, at least uh, us when we're off the show, about the NFC versus the AFC and, and this debate about which conference is better. And you look at the best teams in the league, most of them are in the NFC, right? 49ers, Eagles, Cowboys, they all look at the best teams in the league. And that shifted quickly. Right. But at the same in the same jest, if you look at the NFC, they've currently got two wild card teams that are under 500. Yep. They could have two wild card teams be under 500 and a division champion under 500. So three teams in their postseason be under 500. Meanwhile, and it probably won't happen, but it could. Meanwhile, in the AFC, there could be a team that goes 10 and 7 and not make the postseason. Yep. So the, the whole conference versus conference debate is, is lunacy to me. And, and, and here's another, another point to illustrate that. The team that is currently tied in the NFC for the best record, the Dallas Cowboys, they're 10-3, and three, same record as the 49ers, same record as the Philadelphia Eagles, 10-3. and three. They are currently underdogs this weekend, betting lines, against the team that is slated 11th in the AFC. 
Now, I get it. It's the Buffalo Bills. I get it. That's not the 11th best team in the AFC. But that's a, that's a fact that the team with the best record in the NFC is an underdog against the team that is 11th in the playoff picture right yep. now in the Buffalo Bills. So, <laughs> it's the NFL. I guess that's the point that I'm trying to make is it's the NFL – and sometimes injuries happen like the, to the AFC, but it, we just saw it last night. The Titans look terrible. They are 14-point underdogs, two touchdown underdogs. That doesn't happen in the NFL hardly ever. And what they do, they went on primetime. They, they, they came back from 14 points in the final three minutes. That's why the NFL is the best sport in the world, and it can happen any given week. So, yeah, can, can the Bengals, the way that they're playing the last two weeks, make a little bit of a run? I don't see why not. If you play like you did the last two weeks, you can beat any team in this league. Now, will you get that every single week? Absolutely not. But to, I, I guess the point is I'm making is it's just, yeah, it's always wide open in the NFL. It's any given Sunday, that old adage. By the way, uh, it's interesting to know that after the games over the weekend, looking at the NFC side of things, Philadelphia in one game went from a number one seed in the NFC to the number five seed in the NFC. But some of you may have seen uh, the little bit they did on NBC Football Night in America, I think they call it, before the game where they got their analytics guy up there, stat guy, numbers guy, whatever you want to call him. And he basically said, hey, look, the, the chances of winning the division, okay, between Dallas and Philly, even if Dallas were to win the game the other night, which, of course, Dallas did, okay, and they're both 10-3. and three. Today, Dallas wins a tiebreak against Philadelphia based on best win percentage in division games. That is only because they've played one more game than Philadelphia. The bottom line is, if the Eagles and the Cowboys win out the rest of this season, and that's no guarantee for anybody, especially with Dallas going to Buffalo this weekend, but if they both win out, both sitting at 10-3, and three, the Eagles would be the divisional champion because they would have identical records inside the division. Philadelphia would be one game better in the conference, and they split their head-to-head. So uh, that's where all that stands. Uh, looking at Philly going from one to five, if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I don't think you need to lose a ton of sleep over that. Uh, you look at their remaining schedule and who they've got left, um, I like their chances. Right. They've got the Giants twice, which they should win those games, although right. those are good division games. They have the Cardinals once, and then this coming weekend, probably their biggest test of their final four uh, would be at Seattle. Geno Smith's been knocked around. Uh, tough to say. Tough to say. Um, let's see. Uh, wh what is all of this stuff going on here, by the way, uh, Elliot, with you and my good friend, Sir Boy Wonder? Oh, no. I mean, there, I mean, Sir Boy Wonder is one of the giants of this show. He first is. ballot Hall of Famer. No yeah. doubt. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Right. For, no for Chatterbox Sports sure. off the bench. And now there appears to be some sort of division in the ranks. No, that's been solved. It's been solved. It, I, I think it happened last week during the Crosstown shootout rivalry. Rivalry. There was some heated things said uh, in the chat, but we're, we've resolved them. It, it's 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 water under the bridge now. Me and me and Sir Boy were a big happy family. Okay. Well, Blackmore says in here that yes, well, Tom Blackmore, Elliot hates Sir Boy. Well, and Blackmore, I just want to make sure we don't have any of that kind of thing going on because I think the world person. of him. I think the world of you. I don't like seeing this. Well, Blackmore is slandering us, so that's that's tough. Mouse Cop says Elliot hates our loyal viewers. That's <laughs> just not true. What a turn! What a turn this chat has taken to where it really has. It's gone dark. 
Well, it's it. I mean, Mouse Cop, the, the same thing that Mouse Cop's saying to Elliot right now. He said to me for like six months. He did. So what a turn, what a turn we've had. And I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I like it. I Fall like from it. grace. Drew Garrison is defending me now. He says what he'll it? defend Elliot against all enemies, foreign you, or, or domestic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's our guy. No doubt. That's our guy, Drew I Garrison. I wanted to bring this up. The Dolphins yesterday. I was watching the game. And it is abundantly clear, if there is ever a year for a quarterback not to win the MVP award, it would be this year. Tyreek Hill should be in the conversation for MVP. The Dolphins are abysmal without Tyreek Hill. There was a stretch during that game where they didn't look like they could move the football. Tyreek Hill comes in and then boom. That it's is they, their offense. It's, it's, it, he's the entire team. Without Tyreek Hill, that team is nothing. If he, if he gets 2,000 yards this year, you can't tell me he didn't have a better season than Brock Purdy or Dak Prescott, who really are the front runners well, right now. 2,000 yards would be NFL breaking, like, you know, you he'd could, be breaking the receiving record. So, yeah, that, in my opinion, that deserves MVP votes. But what, in all honesty, there's not really a front runner this year. In my opinion, yeah, someone's gonna close out. I, if I had to put money on who's gonna who's gonna finish out, I don't know. De the Cowboys play such a tough schedule, but uh, yeah, I, actually, I'm not gonna take a make a point on that. But I'll say this about the Dolphins: they didn't score a touchdown. The high scoring Dolphins offense yep. did not score a touchdown except for after the muff punt and the the fumble in the fourth quarter. Because the defense scored right. on that terrible Will Levis play. Yep. That terrible play in the first half. Oh, my God, that was atrocious. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the offense, I mean, all I heard, and I haven't watched a whole lot of the Miami Dolphins, is uh, all I heard about is how great this offense is, how great this offense is. And they play against the Tennessee Titans, who haven't been very good this year. And they do nothing. Yep. Well, Tyreek Hill was gone for a majority of the game. It's, that's why. And that's, that's my point. It, Tyreek Hill should absolutely be in the conversation for MVP. I've been seeing Christian McCaffrey in the chat. Absolutely. He should be in the conversation, too. But you can't tell me right now that Brock Purdy should be the MVP. I, you know, I will not. I will not. I mean, fellas, come on now. I mean, you guys got your bias against Brock Purdy. I mean, he's got every. He's got. He's got I every. I've always hated Iowa. He's got every wide receiver. He's got every weapon in the world. Oh, and you're going to penalize him for that? I'm not penalizing him. I'm saying he shouldn't. He he didn't have a better season than Tyree Kill. According according to sports books right now. Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy are the favorites. Brock, Dak Prescott is the favorite, plus 150. Brock Purdy's 185. And then there's a little bit of a, a steep gap, and then it's Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts. You would have to get to the fifth best odds at Tyreek Hill, which is 15 to 1. Because they don't give him to wide receivers. The year Calvin Johnson broke this record that Hill is going to or trying to break. Right. Um, he didn't. He didn't, He wasn't even in, in that conversation. Who was the last quarterback or the last non-quarterback to win the MVP? That's a good question. Adrian Peterson. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And, but I, I, I would argue that the year I would have to look at it. I would bet that the year that that happened, there was significantly better quarterback. Right. Play. There's the quarterback play has been bad this year. Well, not Brock Purdy and Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott haven't been. You bad can convince this year. me, Lamar Jackson. I mean, Brock Purdy's hitting seventy percent of his passes for thirty-five hundred yards, twenty-five touchdowns against seven picks. I mean. It's a lot of what, and again, this is people are going to say I'm knocking Jake Browning here, but it's a lot of the Jake Browning offense where he throws screens and Debo Samuel oh makes a couple God. guys miss, and he goes oh that's that God. that's not opinion, Tom. That's what happens. Christian McCaffrey has 80 yard runs. 
This is that's how that team works. Again, I'm not going to I'm not penalizing him. I'm just saying that's how it is. He has a plethora of weapons and he's done his job. I, I credit him. He's done his job. But if you take Tyreek Hill away, if you take him away from the Dolphins, that team doesn't win games. If you if you take well, if, you if you take took any of those guys away from their teams, they don't win games. If I put Jared Goff in for Brock Purdy, they win games. I yeah, uh, I still hold that true. Oh my God, Tom, you're Are telling me we doing this again, Tom? Yeah, does anybody I, I, watch Jared Goff play football? He's terrible, this year? but that's not oh the point. That would not. There's no Jared Goff way. has won nine games. We're, we're acting like he he hasn't won games. Like you didn't just pick. Like what about Desmond Ritter? Does he win? Ten games with the 49ers? They wouldn't be ten and three right I, now. I, 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 I don't like think so. Five. No, I don't think so either, King. They'd, 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 they'd be eight and five at least. At least. No, they would no. not. No, yes, they, they would. No, they would not. No, they you don't would. think Tyreek Hill could win the MVP if he gets to two thousand yards? No. It's never happened before. Not going to happen. Especially, especially if Dak goes off here down the stretch. That's fair. Those are two of the most prominent franchises in the NFL. Biggest franchises. Following Niners, Cowboys, quarterback position, one of those two dudes is going to win it. Lamar's numbers are not good enough as far as touchdown passes. He's only got 16. Those other guys are Purdy 27, Dak 28. What Purdy if, a better completion percentage, more yards, all that kind of thing. What if Lamar runs for 1,000 yards? He's got, he's got a long way to go. Well, so he's got 650 there. or something like yeah, he's that. Got, so no, he'll probably he gets like 800. I mean, if anybody could do it, he could do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. It'd be probably like 800. But Too bad for he, him. He doesn't play the Bengals. He'd be like 30, he'd probably have like 3,700 yards passing and like 800 rushing. That's, that's, a, that's a decent MVP. That's really good. That's, that's really that's good. really, really good. You know, what's interesting is, is, is Justin Fields might have more in all those categories than Jackson. Yeah. yeah. I um, mean, think about that for a minute. Right. Mr. Mo brings up a good, he has a $2 super chat, says, Brock Purdy leads the league in yards per attempt. That's right. So what, to what say that? that there's just a dink and dunk quarterback stuff on this thing is just completely inaccurate. What about Joe Burrow was averaging like four and a half yards per attempt. Purdy leads the NFL in yards per attempt. So he ain't some dink and dunk guy. What are those receivers yards after completion? Well, there's no doubt about that, but you can't have it both ways. Or actually, you can have it both ways. You can say that their receivers break a lot of tackles once they catch a ball. No doubt about it. But you also cannot, for a second, take away the fact that he's not some dump-it-off screen guy and his receivers take off and run for 50 yards and he gets a 50 yards passing. He's seventh in air yards this season. So, I mean, come on. Number one in passes per attempt? Come on. Number is, I don't know why you guys are so down on Purdy. This guy's one of the great players in the league. Casey, Purdy's you great. and I are the only ones in agreement here. Purdy has been playing lights out. I mean, it doesn't matter how you look at it. You still got to make the throws. You still got to make the right, right reads. And, I mean, he, 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 yeah, he's got two great receivers, a great tight end, a phenomenal left tackle. Best running back in the game. One of the best running backs best in the game. Defense. I mean, that sounds a lot like the Bengals. We have the best two great receivers. Two, two great receivers. We have one of the best left tackles in the league. Yes, we yeah. do top because he's paid ends. like one of the top left tackles. <laughs> and 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 let me tell you, See, our offensive line is way better performing than the 49ers offensive line. Hands down. Tom, you're Joe not, Burrow I'm, is 29th in the NFL in yards per attempt. 
29th. Who, who, brought, has, in Joe, who brought in Joe Burrow? I never brought in Joe Burrow. No, no I'm just bringing Burrow. it up, the fact that. Your you, guy, Casey, over there is bringing up Joe Burrow and the Bengals comparing him to the 49ers. I mean, Doesn't yeah. Joe Burrow have pretty good weapons? If you were to line up all the weapons. Now, there's a significant difference as far as the number one running back compared to Joe Mixon. Okay? Yep. Yeah. McCaffrey, right? Yep. But after that, let's just say it's a coin flip between, uh, say it's coin flip if you want, between Chase and Debo Samuel. Just say it's a flip of the coin. Okay. Okay? Which I think Chase is better, but let's just say it's a flip of a coin. Brandon Ayuk and T. Higgins. T. T. Higgins is a much better player. Okay, George. Brandon Not I- this year he's not. George Kittle, dude. Yeah. What are we talking yeah. about? Yeah, but then Tyler Boyd is, is better than their third guy. So maybe at the end of the day. Christian there McCaffrey. Is a, well, I said that already. There's a, at the end of the day, it's, a, it's, it, it's not far from being a wash. Armstead versus uh, Orlando Brown. It's not Armstead. Orlando, it's uh, Trent Williams. Yeah. And he's missed, he's missed a lot of it. It's another reason why you got to give it up to Purdy. The best left tackle maybe in the game has missed a half the year. And the Cats still cutting it loose. And they lost three games when that happened. All right. Ben Riley with a $20 super chat, Tom. I can't believe I'm saying this, Casey, but I think Tom is right. Joe has outright said his hyper-aggressive play style Part of why he gets hit so much. He loves empty and hates checkdowns. Well, he Jake better. Is fine with it. That's where the rubber is going to meet the road, and we're getting far ahead of ourselves right now. But the rubber is going to meet the road with this franchise. What happens this? What happens next year? Because the inmates don't run the asylum, and I don't say that in a negative connotation towards anybody who plays for the Bengals. I don't mean it that way. But you know what I'm getting at here, okay? Just because Burrow likes empty and likes shotgun does not mean that's what you're going to do moving forward. Yep. It doesn't mean that. He is only a four-year player. To be honest with you, he's a two-year player in this league. Call it three. He got hurt halfway through his rookie year, Mm -hmm. halfway through this year. He's a third-year player in the league, three-year player in the league. No matter how great he is, no matter how much money he makes, he is not going to dictate to the head coach of the football team or the offensive coordinator of the football team exactly what kind of offense they're going to run because he's more comfortable in it. They have been better on offense the last two weeks than they have at any point in time this entire season. Period end. Period end. And that's because of the style of play. Nobody is arguing that Jake Browning's better than Jude Burrow. He's not. He's not. Not even in the same galaxy. But the Bengals as a team, run game, production out of the tight end, incredible leap production-wise out of the running back room. Now, yes, part of that, Chase Brown is playing. He wasn't playing when Burrow was there. But an inc- think about what we said about this, okay, four weeks ago, five weeks ago. There wasn't an area on this team outside of Evan McPherson, that was better this year than it was last year. The quarterback play wasn't as good. The running back room wasn't as good. The tight end room wasn't as good. The wide receiver room wasn't as good. The offensive line wasn't as good, even with Orlando Brown and spending all the money they're spending, if you're taking into account the pass game and the run game. Now, all of a sudden, in the last two weeks, every single area of the team is better. The quarterback play, the numbers don't lie. It has simply been better. The completion percentage, the yards per game, 
the touchdown to interception ratio, the running backs, the offensive line. Now, the only area you might be able to, the tight end room has been significantly better. The only area, ironically enough, where you could say it's probably not better is the wide receiver room. Because Chase had three catches last week for 29 yards, yet they still put 34 points on the board. So it's really going to be interesting to see what happens next season when Burrow's all healed up. Browning's going to be starting some. I know that they have control over Browning. Nobody in their right mind is going to hold that young man uh, under a contract if he gets a chance to sign with somebody else and make some money to be a starter. Uh, but that's that's way far down the road. All right, let's take a break. Um, we got Nick Kirby coming up at 1140. After the break, we're going to talk uh, our picks. We're going to talk about our Power Five in both, uh, well, just the NFL this week, the college game. That's, that's uh, you know, it's old news now. Um, and uh, Casey, now that you're healthy and well, voice is tuned up. Yep. You sound like Pavarotti. <laughs> no idea who that is. You got the hair going long these days. You're, you're about due for, for a cleanup. Yeah, I need to. I need to get a haircut. That's for sure. You know what happened? My, 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 I, I, it makes me think. It's so funny. So, our dog, we we got at the shelter, right? And and, and this guy Robert. is just he he is clearly somebody had abused him. And by the way, people who abuse him, I mean, they, they should be thrown in jail, sh- cl- close a door, and never let them out. People who just go out and hurt animals. I mean, they should just be throw away the key. Anyway, somebody hurt this dog, clearly. So he's kind of getting his oats about it. We've had him about a year now. But one thing the old boy cannot do is go to a groomer. So we were told to get some, you know, like some medicine for him, like to just calm him down, right? So, you know, we tried that, and the groomer said, uh, he's not welcome back. So then we called one of those where they come to your house, and you have to take out a home equity loan to be able to get the, to, to pay those people. This beautiful, adorable young woman comes over. She's got this beautiful truck. We put him in there. This is last Friday. We're all excited. He's finally going to get a haircut, clean him up. Well, he got through the wash. No problem. Got through drying him off. No problem. Then came the cut. No problem. Cleaning him up along the sides. Cleaning him up along his back. Well, the second they try to get close to the old hindsight area, Mm. Right? The old boy. So he is walking around right now looking like he has mange or something. So half his hair is cut. The other half is not. Well, one of my jobs today is to take my clippers out and try to finish this job because (laughs) it is so sad watching him run around the way he looks right now. All right, Casey. And then we'll take those clippers to you if you don't get (laughs) it. Well, I don't think you have to worry about that, Tom. I'll probably get something done here in the near future. This break in the Bengals talk was brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and... <laughs> you guys just did miss something incredible. I mean, I mean <laughs> that's the most incredible. preposterous thing I've ever seen. <laughs> not once, <laughs> not twice, oh not three times, oh. not four times. He brought, he brought, he, the cord he brought that cord way outside. Uh, productivity. Productivity. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys don't know what we're talking about, we have a cable that stretches all the way over there for Elliot to control our, our – um, <laughs> 
teleprompter and Tom just tripped over it like five or six times. He brought it outside the <laughs> brought it outside the studio. I mean, he just carried it along with him. Oh, Anyways, Pawnee Water, made right here in Hamilton, Ohio, uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, and some say the best tasting water in the world. Visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com. See where you can buy this great tasting water. Guys. We um, oh, we got we, three super chats. Yeah, I was. Soupy I, I've got a couple super chats here lined super up. Um, I'm gonna shoot Ben Riley first. Five dollar super chat. You don't have to be more talented. You just have to play smarter, and you win. The offense with Joe, the Bengals blow out teams, in my humble opinion. Yeah, Honestly. I mean he he plays hero ball. I mean that's what he's really good at, in my opinion. That's that's the offense. Hero okay. ball, Joe. Mark, quit gambling. More money for Super Chats. It's true, nice. Mark. It's true. It's true. He said he's quitting. Who? Uh, Mr. Mo, we already went over this one. Uh, Brock Purdy leads the league in yards and attempts. And then we already went over the Ben, ben Riley. Riley $20 Super Chat. Thank you so much, Ben Riley. That's a, that's a big Super Chat for us. And then Drew Garrison. Tom's reacting to Hamilton's own Slim Jesus is the content we need. So I love that Drew Garrison knows who Slim Jesus is. Slim Jesus is a rapper from Hamilton. He had a song go viral like when I was in high school, I believe. I think it was in high school about a decade ago. Um, he made a music video. The song's called Drill Time, which means like shooting people, right? As, as hip-hop songs do from time to time. This guy... He looks like he's never shot a guy. But the, the whole music video is them playing with airsoft guns. And it's like it's like trap rap. It's the it's very, very gangster rap. And he's playing with airsoft guns in the music video. I I truly would love to see Tom um, react to Slim Jesus, although we probably can't play drill time because of the explicit language in it. Not because of the copyright. Yeah, I don't care about <laughs> the copyright. One time I met I saw Slim Jesus at a at a local Mexican restaurant. And uh, he was on FaceTime the entire dinner, and he was just yelling into his phone, and he ruined the entire experience for everyone in the room. Did he but luckily, he's a, he's a celebrity, so he could do that. Yeah. Did he make a pretty penny off that, do you think? Or He got signed to, like, Meek Mill's label. Really? Yeah. That's kind of that crazy. Song. And then didn't do anything with that? Yeah. It's just that one. Oh. <laughs> Tom, are you got okay? over it. I'm good. I just I think I kicked the. Uh, thank you. I think I kicked the. Uh, we got it. You got it. Yeah. yeah. We we were talking. We were talking about it. You took you took that outside the studio. I know I did. <laughs> I, I had to cut. I had to cut Elliot off because I had a sinking suspicion that he was going to tell us that he is reconsidered and that he will have heavy action on the Veracats v Bryant tonight. <laughs> I might. I'm debating going to the game. If I'm at the game, I probably will. That'd be a good game to go to tonight. Bounce back game? Well, I mean, and it's not, it, like I said in the open, it's not an easy game. I mean, they played Xavier relatively tough back in uh, uh, right around Thanksgiving. It was 100 to 75. Um, and they beat Florida Atlantic. I mean, every time I look at FAU ranked 10th in the country, I, I think to myself, are you kidding me? Uh, but they were when they played them. They were ranked 10th in the country, and Bryant beat them. The spread for that game is 19 and a half. That's a lot of points, man. Would you take it? Would you take the Bearcats? 19 and a half. I'd have to Z dive Xavier into Bryant. Xavier beat him by 25? I'd have to dive into Bryant a little bit more. Tom, 
you said that you're picking up uh, Luke from Bloomington. I am. This Thursday. Week. Fired Thursday. up. Thursday. Um, I thought we were supposed to go to Bloomington on Saturday to watch the Kansas Jayhawks against the Indiana Hoosiers. That is going to be a severe beatdown. You, me, and Luke. They sell, they gonna, sell beer at us. That's going to be a beatdown. You're not going to that game. The Bengals are playing on Saturday. You're not going to that game. That's true. That's true. That's a good call. Bengals are playing on Saturday. Uh, what, what did I miss here? Did I miss anything? Nope. Nope. Okay. I just want to make sure there's nobody in the chat that's out of line. I always like just checking in to see what's happening. We did. We did. Did, did you guys, by the way, take those um, take those uh, high noons home? They're in the fridge, I think. Yeah, they're still in the fridge here. Yeah, what do you guys got to take those home? Okay. All right. Reed will take them home. Yeah. I'll enjoy them. You didn't. We didn't talk about the other game, really, the Giants versus Packers. Yeah, yeah. let's talk about that. I was watching that game, and again, I one of my one of my Manning wagers was Saquon Barkley to be good at football, and and he was last night. But he there was a point in that game he had about 15 carries for 22 yards, absolutely preposterous. He then broke it out at the end of the game, had a 33. I think it was like a 10 yard run, a 17 yard run, and then a 33 yard run. On the 33 yard run, he fumbles the football, gives the ball back to the Packers. Packers march down, score. I thought it was over, but there he is. Our pride and joy, Fat Randy, marched down the field and kicked what the game winner. What about Fat Randy? Fat Randy, man, he never stops. It's the it's, guy. The guy is a legend. Why you got to beat him down? I don't beat him that's down. That's what. That's his name. That's his name. His name's Fat Randy. I think his mom calls him Fat Randy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like at Christmas. Like you Mar- can book it. His wife does. <laughs> no, his mom too. Eh? Merry Christmas, Fat Randy. <laughs> like I got, I got Elliot, I got Casey, and do you my, think my that third when they son, put on the Christmas card, they started with Fat Randy? Yeah, that's <laughs> is that P H A T? Yeah, that's P H. That is one hundred percent P H. Remember when he fake pulled three different hamstrings uh, on his yeah, two I different remember. legs? Sniper. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big time sniper on that one. But it was just fun to see the Giants with uh, Danny DeVito's son Tommy. They, they're playing damn good football right now, so good for them. Which, by the way, uh, Tommy DeVito, Danny, a.k.a. Danny DeVito, he is part of our cherry on top today. Yes. For those of you that may have missed it. I think Elliot sent you a DM for that, Casey. Okay. Yep. Yes. That's yep. part of our, definitely part of our cherry on top. Okay. Are we ready to get the picks here for how we did over the weekend? Because I know I was Oh, brilliant. did we not do that yesterday? No, we no, did no, not. We did. We I totally not. forgot that we didn't do that. Let's do that. All right, let's do that. We only had NFL picks last week, although I tell you, I really regret us not uh, picking the Army-Navy game. Did you see, by the way, that post-game speech given by the Army coach? No. No. I would highly recommend to anybody, okay, if you just have a few minutes. I mean, all of us love watching that, um, like, the, the, the Zach Taylor post-game stuff, right, that they put on the Internet. He gives out game balls and says right, to his team right, whatever right. he says, right? Well, you know, it, it, this is – you know, Army Navy's a whole different world, man. Whole different world. Um, and uh, I, I would highly recommend if you have a minute, just, you know, type in whatever. Uh, you can probably find it on, what, YouTube or whatever, the, the speech by the Army head coach after they won that game. It's unbelievable. Okay, where we start? Rams versus Ravens. Rams versus Ravens, seven and a half points. And look at who stands alone. Helly Roo. I knew it was going to be close. That would make you, if anything, go back to gambling. We'll see. I'll tell you what. I don't know the records. If I have a winning record on these picks, I will unretire from gambling right now. <laughs> All right. 
I'm one when, when did one you officially send that out? After the, the, the Dolphins game last night that you were done? D-U-N done? Yeah. I was, it was, well, it was almost, it was about two minutes left in that game when I knew the, where things were going. Okay, so we're basically looking at a 24-hour respite. Almost. Okay. Almost. All right, what's next? All right. well, it'll be a little less. All of us had the Ravens. They won the game, about but they didn't hours. cover the spread on the walk-off punt return for a touchdown. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. Elliot. Uh-oh. 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 Reed, you were the only one. Listen, I, I and all you do is bash your bills. It's all you do that's is bash not true. That's yes, not it is. true. The refs, I do, the refs I do, robbed me of this one, by the way. I do put a lot of love on the Kansas City Chiefs. I do put a lot of love on the Buffalo Bills. I just had a good feeling that the Bills were going to win this one, and I was right. I well, was the right. refs gave you the game, but that's true. That's true. All right, moving on. Casey, you're over. It two. impacted Travis Kelsey's Hall of Fame well, career. It was Kasky. It was Kasky making the, these picks. Oh, that's right. Well, no, he, did he pick for you? I, I guess he picked for me. He yes. picked for you, Casey. Okay. I yes. guess he picked for me. All right, what was the final in this one? I can't remember. It was so back and forth. 31-27 oh. Cleveland. So they covered. So Cleveland covered. Cover. It's a good win for you guys. Yep. You're 2-1 two two and one. One now, Elliot. Here two we go. One. All right. How are we looking? If I win this, it's uh, over. It's over. One. Look at that. You're unless, back. Unless we have a couple more picks. I think that's it, isn't it, Reed, Casey? have you lost? We have more. a couple more. I lost the first one. Yes, I so both of you won lost weeks. Three and one. I'm the only Three. guy that picked the Eagles. Shame on me. Okay, go ahead. Ooh. Oh, I was a loser. Big old loser. Elliot, four and one. Now, how did you follow those picks? Now, no, <laughs> no, I didn't. Mm. And that's, I guess, where the problem lies. You know, because it really if, is. If I follow my gut, Tom, I'm, I, I'll never lose believing in myself. Well, let me ask you word. this. Let me ask, because seriously, I mean, we sit in yeah, here and we make serious. these picks. We're, we're just rattling this stuff off off the top of our head. It's a gut feel kind of a bet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you going back home? If we took all of those games and Reed just asked you, did you bet on all those games? Yeah. Okay, and you said no. Okay. Had you bet, obviously, you don't want a lot of money. Okay. Are you going home and overanalyzing? Yeah, I am. Is it? Is, is, is it's it's over. It's no. It's paralysis through analysis. That's right. That was okay. very good, yes. That is good. That is good. You know what they say about that? What? That's, what, that's the term used by non-analytics people that work inside of baseball about analytics people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are the non-analytics people getting drowned out in My baseball daddy. now? My there dad. are a lot of them getting ready that, that, are, that are slowly but surely leaving the sport. There are Sad. three people that are getting ready to leave prominent jobs in baseball that I've become aware of in the last 36 to 48 hours. And the sole reason they're getting out is because the analytics guys walk around like they own the joint. And they got all the answers. My dad uses that paralysis by analysis phrase, I mean, 13 times a week. (laughs) I mean, he says it all the time. Mostly about baseball. I'm not giving names, Harrow, so just relax. I'm not giving names. We'll learn about them when we learn about them. Before we move into our next segment, you know, you talk about like you are using analysis to, to pull the betting. As a better, you know what I wish we could do in the world of, of apps and everything like that, the Betfred yeah. sports books and whatnot. I wish we can go back in time to where you have to go to a like just, just like one weekend. You get the sheet from the sports book yeah. that has all the spreads. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you circle them out. Then you got to go to the teller and go like, I want this game, this game. I want this in a parlay. Mm-hmm. I wish we could go back and do that one time. 
that we don't have to use the apps because there's something fun about you holding. You can do that. If they, I, uh, you I can know. do that in certain places. But you got the apps, and it's just easier. The apps are just so much easier. Yeah. And once I see it on the app, I'm just going. And I mean, crazy. you are dialed in on how to maneuver <laughs> yeah. through that Betfred Sports app. I am. I'm dialed in, Tom. Mm. I know every nook and cranny of that app. You know, by the way, I, I thought I had read, speaking of, uh, of sports uh, books and Betfred Sports, our partner here, I, I continue to see this crawl along the bottom about the uh, Cotton Bowl. I thought I had read that Ohio State was a favorite in that game. Kyle McCord announced that he's transferring and that they went from a favorite to an underdog. But up on the Betfred Sports book, I thought I saw yesterday, it still had Ohio State as a favorite. We probably haven't updated it okay. in uh, All right. I was just curious. In a little bit of time. Okay. Because the game, it's currently Missouri is a two and a half point favorite on Betfred Sports. Okay. Board. Now, Yash says oh, he no. just recently graduated with a master's degree in data science about Ooh. two months ago. Master's degree Ooh. for he Yash. He picks. But he says, he you does. know what? I'm a realist, Tom. I don't get wrapped up in all the numbers all the time. That's, that's what he's Yash. trying to do, though. How about Yash? Oh, what about that? Molly's been very active today, although I think it's a burner. It is. And <laughs> Sharon and He's... Sharon has been back today. Sharon Peters, uh, she's been back today, which potentially could be a burner as well. That, Tom, that one is Tom. a burner. Tom, Sharon is a burner. How do you know that? How do well, you I know, know that for I've a met fact Molly. that Sharon Peters is a burner? I'm Facebook friends with Molly. I have met Molly. I think you've met Molly. I've like, met we Molly. We have met Molly, and we tell you every day. That she's not a burner. <laughs> Kyle Kasky's in the chat and he says, Molly, where were you Friday? When he showed up in person, leading some to believe that Molly is not really Molly. He <laughs> says, I spent a lot of hair, a lot of time on my hair that morning. Kyle was looking sharp. He was looking sharp. He does look sharp. Yeah. Uh, Sharon says that uh, she's not a burner. <laughs> Well, that, I guess that, that solves that, that solves. issue. <laughs> let's get to our power rankings. Why All right, let's do it. We're starting, as always, with, with, Reed. with the distinguished Reed <laughs> Let's Mouse, start with Reed. A.K.A. Sharon Peters. Go ahead. I'm not Sharon You're Peters. Sharon Peters? I am not Sharon Peters. Reed. I thought it was Paul, but Reed. then Sharon Peters threw out a flogging Molly reference, and there's not a chance in hell, Did Paul. you say quitter, Paul? There's not a chance <laughs> in hell that Paul would know who flogging I don't like Molly that is. term, but did you say it? Or did I miss it? I did. I did not say quitter, Paul. I just said Paul. <laughs> he just said Paul, and then I you added said the Paul. quitter. Well, I thought he said. I'm sorry. Uh, I thought he said. You didn't quitter. say quitter, Paul. That's my. I just Paul. said Paul. I thought you said. Would never say that. Okay. But it would make sense if you did because he quit. Mo Molly is related to me, so she's a real person. All right, Casey. All right. Let's do these power rankings. I, I, I'll pull them. Yeah, there we go. So at the top, I think it's hard to to say anybody other than the San Francisco 49ers is the best team. If there was another case for it, it'd be the Baltimore Ravens. I don't care who you have, one, two. Those should be your top two teams. You can put them in any order you want. Baltimore Ravens play a complete game. The, Baltimore, or the San Francisco 49ers are just a wagon at this very point. Listen, I've doubted the Dallas Cowboys a lot. I'm supposed to say 10-3. and three. I, I, Godly, I didn't get to the It's all right. Records. It's okay. They wish they were 10-2. and two. It, it, The Dallas Cowboys are 10-3. and three. They go to Buffalo. I've I've doubted them. Listen, all season, all season long, but they continue to just beat up on teams. They really do. So uh, I, I have them at third. Philadelphia Eagles. I mentioned two weeks ago that I think they're the fourth best team in the league. They're sitting at ten and three, lost two in a row. Um, they're, they're still a great team. I just the defense isn't as good as it was last year, and there's some some serious concerns over there. Finally, I that's crazy. 
This is I, crazy. I have the Buffalo Bills at number five. I, wow. have the the reason I have the wow. Buffalo Bills. How do you not have the Bengals there? Bills. I have the Buffalo Bills at number five. They just went to Kansas City, got a win on the road. They're now favored against the Dallas Cowboys at home. I think the Buffalo Bills will win that game. The Buffalo Bills are going <clears> to <throat> get in as the sixth seed or the seventh seed in the AFC, and not a single team wants to play them because they know that that team can beat any team in the National Football League and not just beat them, but pretty sure-handedly beat them. Josh Allen makes so many mistakes, but at the same, in the same jest, he does so many things well. And this offense is 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 rock solid as it comes. Yeah, I got the Bills as the fifth best team in the league right now. So you have the Bills. The Bills host the Dallas Cowboys this weekend. That's yep. a four twenty five game on Fox. Yep. Yep. They play the um, Justin Herbertless Chargers the following week, two days before Christmas. New Year's Eve, they play the Patriots, and then they go to Miami. For the last game of the year. And if you're wondering, the Dolphins beat the Bills 48-20 to in Buffalo earlier this season. So you're telling me at 7-6, and six, if I heard you right, right, I may have misheard you like Quitter Paul. Um, <laughs> if I heard you right, you just said the Bills are getting in the playoffs ahead of the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that the Buffalo Bills will be in the postseason. Yes, I do. Listen, we, I, I've said now a couple times, the top four teams in the league are, are what they are. So who was I supposed to put it as the fifth? Was I supposed to put the Kansas City Chiefs, who we've all seen the problems there now, and I still believe that they're going to they're gonna make a deep run in the postseason? Um, am I supposed to put the Miami Dolphins, who just blew a 14-point lead against the Tennessee Titans yesterday? Am I supposed to put the Lions, who got absolutely handled by the Chicago Bears? I, who am I supposed to put in that fifth spot? I'm putting the f- team that I think is playing good football right now and I think has a very high ceiling in the Buffalo Bills. I misspoke. It was the Bills who beat the Dolphins 48-20 to in Buffalo earlier Correct. this year. Thank you for the correction, Steve Ross. Go ahead. All right, my top five again. I uh, am stunned by him thinking Buffalo is going to the playoffs. That's, 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 Go l- ahead. that's lunacy. So my top five, he was wondering who could be the number one team. It's the Dallas Cowboys. I think the Dallas Cowboys – as of this moment, are the hottest team in the NFL. As everybody's been telling me right here, right in the studio, Dak Prescott's the front runner for MVP. They have got arguably the best defense in the sport. Dallas Cowboys are good. They just shut down the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday Night Football. I think they're all the way back. I think the Dallas Cowboys, as of right this second, are the best team in the National Football League. Number two, the 49ers. Not much to add there. Uh, they got a system quarterback running the show. Other than that, they've got a plethora of weapons that carry that roster to a, a 10 and three record. The Ravens, again, these are my three best teams in the NFL. Ravens are damn good. The Ravens are the best team in the AFC. I think they're going to go to an AFC championship game if if Lamar Jackson is healthy. Uh, 10 and three. The Eagles are still number four. They're 10 and three as well. I think the Eagles are still great. Uh, I, I, I get everything. Jalen Hurts is having a little bit of an issue with the turnovers. But until they ban- banish the, t- the tush push, the Eagles still have a superpower that nobody else has. Yes. The Eagles are damn good. They will be playing for an NFC championship game as well. I would, I would bet a lot of money on it. Uh, and the Bengals are number five because the Bengals have the tiebreaker over the Bills, first of all. And I think the Bengals will sneak into the postseason at some, po- at, at some point. You I said when? Hopefully the last game of the season. You said you'd bet a lot of money on the Eagles making the NFC championship game. Yes, I would. So who would not make the NFC championship game from your power five? Uh, it would probably be the Dallas Cowboys. Because the team I said, that you said is number one. As of this second. Did you listen? Did you listen? Just, because if you listen. I'm just clarifying. I'm just clarifying. There's no need to clarify if you listen. Because I said at this very second, the Dallas Cowboys are playing like the best team in the NFL. Okay. 
Okay. All right. Seems like you didn't listen. Okay. Um, Twitter poll. You know, I, I, l- 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 we'll go to mine, Casey. I have the Baltimore Ravens number one. You know, fellas, you go back to October the 8th. We are talking almost, well, well over two months. The Baltimore Ravens have lost one game. 33 to 31 against the Browns. And that was a total debacle, mm-hmm. right? But they lost. Every game, with the exception of the Chargers game, a couple of weeks, they're putting up 31, 38, 31, 37, 31, 34, 37. They are scoring like gangbusters. That Having been said, you look at the Ravens' last four weeks, nobody has a schedule that they have. They go to Jacksonville this coming week. This is Sunday night. They go to the 49ers the week after that. That'll be on Christmas night. How about that as a Santa Claus gift for you? That's great. Ravens v. Niners, right? Then they come home to play the Miami Dolphins on New Year's Eve and then finish the year against bitter rival Pittsburgh. That's big-time schedule right there. No doubt about it. Number two, Dallas, they just whitewashed Philly. We know that. We've said it. We saw it. 49ers are rolling. If I had to pick in a game tomorrow, 49ers-Cowboys, I'd take 49ers. But right now, Dallas is just on an unbelievable run. Granted, against lesser competition except for the other night. Eagles at four, and boys, don't look now. Casey, don't look now. Number five, the Joe Flacco-led Cleveland Browns. Eight and five. They have become the front runner among the wild card teams now in the AFC. Why do you think the Browns are the, the fifth best team? Because they've got it going on. Their defense is <laughs> their defense has their their defense has not been as good. Garrett went out. Um, Denzel Ward's been banged up, but those aren't going to be injuries that are going to keep these guys from being ready when it matters. And they they still find a, they're on their four. They're, they're the they're the first team. The first team. I think it was to get to eight wins in their first 13 weeks of the season. Since Brian Sipe started the year as a quarterback for the Brownies in 1980, to have four different starting quarterbacks and still win eight of your first 13. And Flacco looks the best of all of them. Mm -hmm. Not even close. He looks better than Deshaun looked. Certainly better than the other two guys, Walker and Dorian Thompson-Robinson. So, I mean, I don't know how anybody outside of just being a blatant uh, Cleveland hater, which we have a lot of those in this room, I don't know how in the world you don't think the Brownies are one of the best teams in the National Football League. Casey, any response, if any? Uh, I think it's a little bit of a fool's gold, Tom. I, I think uh, eventually Tell Joe Flacco. Tell me what you don't like about Cleveland. What don't, seriously, objectively speaking, what is it you don't like besides it's Cleveland? But as far as their team is concerned, what don't you like about the Cleveland Browns? Um, 
mainly their offense. I think I think if I'm being serious here, I think their offense is a little bit of fool's gold. I do think that Joe Flacco will eventually show why he uh, has been out of the league, okay. why he wasn't even a backup to begin with. Um, I think uh, the the Jacksonville Jaguars gave up 34 points to the Bengals with the backup quarterback and. Um, you know, I, I also think the Browns haven't been able to run the ball. That's their identity. Um, I don't know how long you can continue to rely on Joe Flacco airing it out. <clears throat> so for me, I, they have a really easy schedule. So that, that works in their favor. I, I'm not going to suggest that they won't make the playoffs because I think that that's a little crazy. Um, but I just I'm not a fan of their offense right now. We'll see how they play against the Bears because the Bears have really been turning it on on yes, defense as of late. Yep. Um, we'll see. We'll I mean, see. when you look at the Browns this year, they have wins over the Jaguars. They have a win over Baltimore. They have a win over the 49ers. And of course, they uh, bludgeon the Bengals. So, I don't know. I don't know. The Browns have more wins over team with teams with a winning record than the Dolphins, Cowboys, and Lions combined. What's that tell you? Means they're playing good teams and beating them. So they might be a good team, Tom. You were the guy. You were the guy that picked the Brownies. To yeah, but win then their quarterback two playoff. They're getting better quarterback play right now than they've gotten all year long. They're on quarterback. Why four. would you change your mind? They're on quarterback. Flacco, four. five touchdowns, two picks in two games. I have a hard time believing Elijah Moore and David Njoku can carry that offense uh, in the in the postseason. They will get to the postseason. The Browns are a playoff team, but I have They'll a hard time. I have a what? They'll win two games. That's what I said when they had a healthy quarterback. They don't have that. They have a well. They do have a that. He's just bad. So you like Deshaun Watson better than Joe Flacco? I I like a. I'm going to be very clear. Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Joe Flacco currently when he's healthy. Okay. I do not like Deshaun Watson. I want to make that abundantly clear. Okay. He's your guy. That is not my guy. He is your guy. That, that's no, that might be Casey's guy. He's your no, guy because you said. took him and said that they're going to go to the AFC Championship game riding the strong, broad shoulders you did. of Deshaun Watson. You did say that. We have the tape. I never said it. You did. It, I never said that. That's nonsense. Did you say they were going to win two playoff games? Sure. Maybe. Who was the quarterback when you made that prediction? Deshaun. You have dispelled that prediction since then. And who is no longer the quarterback? Deshaun. That's your guy. <laughs> the defense rests. That's, 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 that tracks. That's damning. That's Perry Mason-esque. Yeah, it is. For those of you old enough to remember Perry the, the Browns currently their odds to win the AFC are fifteen to one. Six best odds in the AFC. Sixth? Six best odds in the AFC. So who would they be behind besides the, the, the so they'd be behind the Ravens? Ravens have be the behind, best odds. Okay, then you have Chiefs have the second best odds. Still. Yep. Okay. Then the Dolphins. The Dolphins have better odds than the Browns. Yes. Okay. Um, then it goes Buffalo Bills. Okay. My fifth best team in the league. And then uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's because they have to they have to compete for a wild card spot. That's the only reason why they have lower odds. Okay. Bengals to win the AFC seventy five to one. 
So if Elliott puts his remaining Betfred account on the Bengals to win the AFC in Ooh. about a month and a half, he'll be all the way back. How about that? Interesting. Now, I did. I just saw this, not to change the subject, Tom, but I'm going to change it. I saw on Twitter, X.com, Charlie Goldsmith has, has just tweeted this out. Nick Kroll said the 2021 and 2023 Reds offenses tailed off down the stretch. With more depth and experience in Condelario, the Reds address that and upgrade the lineup. Steer will play a lot more outfield, and Jonathan India will also work in the outfield. How about that? Leadership. Your guy Scott Boris said that wasn't going to happen. No, he didn't. He That's was not wrong. what he said. In fact, what he said is turning out to be accurate, spot on. What Boris said was he was not in favor of making a change during the season. He said if you were given a heads up during the offseason, whole different ballgame. Interesting. So, hey, I love it. This is the kind of stuff I was saying back when I was doing the Reds games. Get guys moving around and the reds are clearly doing that now they have the athletes to do it india is an excellent athlete he'll be able to play the outfield no problem you can start moving guys around on the infield ellie i'd like to see personally i'd like to see de la cruz get some get some play in spring training this year in in center field yep i'd like to see it just, I'm not saying you play him out there regularly. He's too good of a shortstop. I'm just saying that when you've got to start maneuver, he's a good third baseman too. Right. But I'm saying when you've got to start moving guys around as games go on and you're changing this guy. And Lord knows, you know, every single analytics matchup, David Bell's playing that card. So you're going to get caught in games where you got to have more guys that you can plug in here, move this guy there. I mean, I remember we see Chris Bryant playing like four different positions in one game. Yeah. This was a league MVP. If he can do it, why can't Ellie De La Cruz, who's a better athlete, do it? Yeah. Why can't he do it? You look at every team, especially in the National League for some reason, um, over the past few years that have been contenders, they all have a guy that's in the lineup every day. Like if you put your your starting lineup out there, your best nine, he might not be in that lineup, but he plays 140 games because he plays five different positions. Guy I'm thinking about is a guy like Kike Hernandez for the Dodgers for the long time. Like he would, he'd play – Shortstop, third base, left field, center field, yep. right field. He's in the lineup every single day. Versatility, and this is the point that you're making, is so crucial. Yeah, you have your stars play where they play, right? Yep. You, you're going to have Matt McClain and, and probably Ellie up the middle majority of the time. The rest of the guys, listen, get, get a diverse portfolio. Let, let, let's no play different doubt. positions. That's why Spencer Steer is so um, versatile. That's why he's so valuable, and that's that's what Jonathan India can kind of be as a bad fielder. You know, if, if you learn how to play four positions at, at a mediocre level, then you're still a pretty good baseball player because they can throw you in the lineup every single day. Uh, we're going to talk to Nick Kirby about all this. Now, he had a work meeting this morning, and it was about a half-hour drive from his house. Um, and he's got a big interview that he's going to be posting, I believe. I saw that. Right? Yep, yes. today. Yes. With um, why am I drawing a blank? The GM? No, it's not with um, it's not with Nick Crawl. Metter, uh, from the Reds front office, and they're going to talk about all the players in the system and all that kind of thing. That will be um, posting um, right after the show. Right after the, the show G today. Yeah. Right yeah. after this show. Yep. 
I think that's the GM now, isn't it? Because Nick Crawl is the president. Yeah, of the- I guess technically you're right. I you're think- right. You're right. You're right. Nick Crawl's right. the so uh, that will be uh, that will be something certainly worth sticking around for. Hopefully, you know one of the um, one of the the uh, the biggest story. I, look, I think it was the biggest story in sports yesterday. Is when the details came out about this Shohei Otani deal. Yeah, that's nonsense. Uh, I, I really believe it was the biggest story in sports yesterday because I think. You know, I, I, I've never understood this, and this is for a different time, and I'll get Co- Ken Rosenthal to come on the show sometime. I have never understood why the national media, or even local media, baseball writers, why they celebrate these contracts so much. It's like they're jumping up and down giddy when a guy signs a $400 million deal, and they're writing all year long about, you know, this guy's going to be the first $500 million player, and show a... Uh, Ken Rosenthal, who I love. We've been friends a long time. He wrote an article yesterday in The Athletic telling me how healthy the game of baseball is. The okay. Shohei got a $700 million deal. Uh, and I read his points, and I'm sitting there saying to myself, I, maybe I'm just short upstairs between the years. I know I am. I, I, I don't see how it's good. And then when the details come out about the structure of the contract, this is something that the players' union would have had no part of since really its inception. This backloaded deferral at this kind of level deal. They would have never gone for it, would never have allowed it to happen. Now, Jeff Passan from ESPN wrote yesterday that there's nothing, even if they wanted to, there is nothing the owners or the players union can do about it. But for those of you that missed it, Shohei signs 10 years, 700 million. 70 million a year over 10 years. He is getting $680 million of that 700 million. All but $20 million he is getting after the contract expires in deferral money. He is taking a $2 million a year salary. That'll probably chew up his rent in Los Angeles. Is he ready to go? Yes. All right. Our good friend, Nick Kirby. You see him all the time. Chatterbox Reds, one of the most popular shows in America. That's not an exaggeration. He's a busy man. Nick, good morning. Thanks for the time, buddy. I, I, I want to get into this Shohei thing for a second. Uh, when you and I were, were, were texting uh, last night and, and talking about you coming on the show, that's really when, when the word was starting to leak out about the structure of this contract. <laughs> And, and I was asking the question before you came on. I've never understood why members of the media celebrate these contracts. I mean, just report it. The guy signed a contract and move on. But it seems like that the press turns into doing jumping jacks and putting in pom-poms in their hands when guys sign $700 million deals. The structure of this deal, Nick, convince me, convince me why I'm wrong, why, where I think this is really bad for baseball convince you why it's uh, i mean i think i don't think it's good yeah okay uh, okay well then you're in the same camp as me but, <laughs> but, but at least give me the other side because i'm having a hard time understanding how a major market team they've clearly dodged the luxury tax thing so good for them of being able to figure it all out right okay so but but but, but i mean for for the guys in the camp of the mid-market to small market franchises this is just this has got to be like getting cold cocked and not even know it's coming. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, like from from the the Dodgers and Shohei Otani's standpoint, 
Like if I was a fan of the Dodgers, I'd be thrilled. That sure. They were able to pull this off. I mean, they they straight um, abuse the rules and the, good for them. I mean, like I would want my team to be, you know, trying to find every advantage they can. I just think Shohei Otani is such a unicorn here, Tom, that he's the only player that would be willing to do this kind of deal, right? Because he's already a made so much money, and b he's getting more money in endorsements than any baseball player has ever got. So he's essentially going to make a, a larger salary on endorsements alone than, I don't know, 80% of the of baseball. So it's just such a weird situation that it's kind of exploited this rule. And, uh, Tom, my biggest fear right now is that this is going to be another contentious thing in the next CBA, yeah. uh, which I think is 2026. And we're going to be going through the whole other nightmare um, again here in a couple of years like we had last year uh, with the lockout. Why, why would this put, put it into perspective, Kirby, because you put that out on social, social media last, last night, Nick, about why would this be a, a bone of contention um, in the next collective bargaining agreement to go that high up the food chain? I, I'm curious what the, the player's perspective is, is because I, it, and outside of competitiveness, this isn't hurting the players at all. Um, I saw some people saying, well, players got to be mad at this. I was like, ah, I don't know, because this just allows the Dodgers to be a player in free agency with other uh, potential free agents. So which is essentially is going to make another team bidding. So the player, I think, I don't think other players are going to be mad that Otani did this. So that I don't, I'm very curious to see like what the MLBPA stance was. Um, I assume there are some players that probably are like, hey, this is really impacting the competitive balance of the game. Um, but you could really see players going one side or the other. I know um, Trevor Plouffe, who's a part of um, uh, John Boy and Talking Baseball, former player, he was all on Shohei Otani's side and loved it. So I, I don't know if he's a representation of, of the collective, uh, you know, side of baseball players. But I, I would really, I would love to ask a bunch of baseball players what their thoughts are on this because I think you might get a lot of differing opinions. Yeah, I mean, look, everybody knows, it goes without saying, that everybody and his brother would take that kind of contract. And, I mean, the Reds and, and other teams have done different sort of deferrals to guys, but nothing to the magnitude um, of this level. You know, I, I mean, you read some of the same stuff I read. You know, I mean, I saw where Jeff Passan from ESPN said there's nothing that the owners or the players' union can do about this thing. Um, I, I just think this really hurts baseball. I mean, for, for I just think it just reeks of such an incredible competitive advantage as you just pointed out for the teams that already have a competitive advantage if for no other reason they just have more money. Yeah, I mean, there's already concerns with competitive balance in the game. Um, I think how much we should be concerned with that, I mean, I think it differs from person to person. I mean, the one good thing about baseball is, unlike any other sport, it often uh, can work itself out. Um, the Dodgers could go out and win 125 games next year and lose in the uh, NLDS. They get yep. swept by a team like the Reds that sneak in. And that's the kind of the beauty of baseball is that it, it does kind of um, self-police itself from some of that. Um, but, I mean, like, I, I would be really just – distraught if I was like a fan of the Arizona Diamondbacks right now you know you just go to the World Series and man now the Dodgers are able to obviously outspend us and you can argue whether they should or shouldn't I mean I think that most rational people understand the Dodgers have more money than than teams like Arizona um, but now they're able to on top of that not even have it count towards their luxury tax it's just like 
it, it's got to be a gut punch for really those fans. For Reds fans, I don't know. Does this really make that big of a difference to the Reds and their their chances? I, I, probably not a whole lot. Um, but it really stinks for, I guess, the, the fans of the NL West would be more than anything. Yeah, you're right. All right, now you have a big interview coming up uh, right after our show today, right? Yes, uh, uh, Reds general manager uh, Brad Meter um, interviewed him at Reds Fest. We got uh, six interviews. I think we're going to probably put them up every Tuesday for the next six weeks. Uh, going to try, uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, the wizard behind the uh, uh, behind the computer, Casey McCullough, was able to figure out how to uh, oh. uh, have it, this show go right into uh, yep. that. But I think it's supposed to to instant premiere, so. Your whole audience will be uh, sent over to that and uh, can catch that out. But I, I really enjoyed that interview with Brad. Um, he, it was I was surprised how in depth he went. You know, I was really expecting very cookie cutter answers, and he gave le- legitimate answers. And uh, the the most uh, surprising thing was um, when uh, Justin Kenner, the guy who was doing this uh, these interviews with with fourteen ten, straight up asked him, "What's your expectations?" He said, "We want to win the division next year." Uh, so they weren't, you know, holding any punches, which I think a lot of Reds fans, uh, you know, I think should be really excited about that. Hey, they're they're actually saying it. it's not like, well, we want to compete, we want to try to win a division. No, he was very straightforward that we want to win the NL Central next year. All right, buddy, we were really looking forward to that. We thank you for your time on short notice, and uh, have a great rest of your day. And we've got your interview coming up. Thanks for being with us, All buddy. Right. Thanks, Tom. All right, Nick Kirby, kind of. Bye, Nick. Love you. Yeah, I know you do. I know you do. Boy, I had to get that you know, I, I, him placing that interview into the hands of one Casey McAllister coming up next. What? <laughs> It'll air. We're just what trying to that? redirect the, the we're just trying to redirect the chat. Casey's got Is it. that what he just said or not? <clears throat> Did he just say that the future of his big interview yeah. with the current Reds general manager rests on the broad shoulders of one Casey McAllister? Did well, he just say that? Well, it's going to uh, it's going to air. He just wanted me to make sure that the chat would be redirected at the end of the show straight into that interview. So then you don't have to leave where you're sitting at. So we are like the, this show is like the uh, NFL 425 game on CBS, which leads right into 60 minutes. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Yeah. Just like that. Same audience size, roughly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, That contract is stupid. It's just unbelievable. I, I don't know how. Again, maybe I'm. I, he went for it. That's what's crazy. It was his idea. Well, look, the, the agent no him doubt. are the agent and him are geniuses. They're geniuses yep. because for them to convince the Dodgers of this, brilliant. They're going to get out of so much money, so much tax money when he moves inevitably when that contract ends. It, it, it'll be absurd. The Dodgers, of course, Tom mentioned it. Their luxury tax. They're getting saved money on saved money there. They're also going to be able to compete for the next ten years. I just don't how I, I don't know how you can look at that deal and say yeah this sport's fine this sports this sports fair this is everybody you the NFL is the best sport on the planet and it's not because of uh, it's not because of anything it's because of parity it's because there's a level playing field it's 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 fair all the way around anybody can beat anybody on any given Sunday always in the NFL MLB is not like that that's right and, yep, and that's the too. state of the league and I don't know how you can't fix it no nope. you can't fix it. Nope, you can't. The only the players the only th- are never going to go for a salary cap. No. Uh, it's never going to happen. The only solution that there could be is you would have to make owners that have a ton of money buy the teams instead of, and again, this is no knock, but kind of a little bit of a knock, the Castellinis, whose net worth does not equate to that contract. 
that can't happen. You can't have players getting paid more than owners. Yeah, and you have a huge disparity as far as what, what, what owners, uh, the money they have in the National Football League. But because of the salary structure of the sport itself, you can have uh, a, a publicly owned team like the Green Bay Packers, and you can have, I guess they say, the richest guy of all of them in the NFL is Kroenke out with the, uh, the Rams. At least that's my understanding. But, you know, they're all gazillionaires uh, in the NFL. But there is a disparity between what some of them have. I mean, the difference between what Mike Brown has and what Stan Kroenke has is a lot of money. It's a lot of big difference. Yep. A guy that just bought the team in, in, uh, in D.C. You're talking about hedge fund, big market money guy. You know, they are what they are. What percentage of revenue in the NFL is profit share? Because it, it, it's, it's significant, right? Yeah, the only thing, you know, it's flip-flop in baseball. You know, basically, if you look at it from this standpoint. Now, look, the, 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 the television deal signed in, in, in football are here and here compared to the television deal signed in baseball. And the baseball deals are good deals, but the football things are up here, right? right. And they're getting them from multiple different outlets. Um, including the whole streaming thing. Baseball's dipped its toe with that Friday thing with Apple. Uh, but the NFL, I mean, they got it going on, right? Uh, plus their red zone, plus their, you know, all that other sort of stuff with YouTube. But, but all of that money is equally divided among the teams. All of the money. But because of it's a national-run league, there are no local games on television, so there's no local disparity in money. NFL, yeah. They all split this amount, but where the significant difference is, if the Reds are getting $60 million from Fox Sports, Ohio, Bally's, whatever it might right. be, and maybe nothing next year when that contract is, is going to be gone, people like the Yankees and the Dodgers own their own television networks, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and so do the Red Sox. And, the Cubs, and, and the Cubs are owned by Bally's marquee, but the Cubs, you know, I don't know how that whole thing is true. Anyway, but I mean, the disparity as far as local television revenue is concerned, and each individual team sticks that money in its own pocket and doesn't share it with anybody. You try to even it out by having a luxury tax, and then you get contracts like this, which avoid it entirely. What's, uh, what's the current salary cap in the NFL? Uh, I think it was uh, two, I'll double was it, check. 230. Went up last year, something along those lines, if I'm not mistaken. So it's 224.8. Okay, so okay. Jolly Jolly. And it's going up again next year. Jolly yeah. Jolly says that uh, each NFL team gets 250 million from TV deals at the current. Yeah. So, and that so will their go TV up. deal, their TV deal covers covers their salary. So they're already they're already working before they sell a ticket in the green before they sell a ticket before they sell a single beer. Yeah. Before they sell a single jersey. Yep. And then on top of that, like next <laughs> next year, the salary cap is supposed to be to exceed two forty, yeah, two fifty. So yep. I mean, they're and the TV money's going up too. Yeah, yeah that's just going to keep going up. Year. So then you're sticking the money in your pocket for the signage, for the skyboxes, for the tickets, for the beers, for the hot dogs, for the local radio, um, and on and on and on and on. Yeah, it's pretty wow. good business if you could get in it. Um, and it all comes down to the differences Nick points out in the chat. The, the reason for all of this is because of the major, major League Players Union. And that is the end of the discussion. I'm not blaming anything. That's not what I'm doing here. I'm just saying the, the, the reason you have salary caps in the NBA, the NHL, 
and in the NFL, and you don't have it in baseball, is because of the strength and the power of the Major League Baseball Players Association. End of discussion. Um, okay. We only have a couple of minutes left here. We've got uh, that interview coming up right after this show. Any other programming notes for today, the rest of the day? Uh, Kyle Kasky will be on with uh, Chatterbox Clicker with Kyle Kasky. 5.30. 5.30. So be sure to check the game tape of uh, the win over the Colts. Um, I believe Nick is going live tonight as well. Yep, 9.30. Chatterbox Reds at 9.30. Man, he's busy dude. Yes, he is. Busy dude. A lot of people were beating him down for that camera. We love Nick. That was a funny-looking camera. <laughs> there was a lot of good jokes. There, there was, was a, there was a lot of good in jokes fun. in the chat. The all chat was on, was, on, was on it. We love – the chat loves Nick, but we were, we were having fun with that camera. My favorite one was uh, – it was the Blair Witch Project camera. <laughs> there were better ones than that. <laughs> uh, also, you have a cherry on top, Tom. I do. And by, by the way, Jolly Jolly just double-checked. Uh, that number is actually up to um, $280 million a year per team so it's, and making a significant jump starting next year. So it's fair to say that the TV deal, so if the, the salary cap is 220 and then you, you, you top on all the, the coaching staff. And that'll and go personnel. 250 next year. But okay, but it's 228 at this year. So they're getting 282 from TV deals right now. Yeah. And they're paying 228 in terms of salary cap. After you, you pay all the employees, you pay the coaching staff, and even if you pay for the, the trips, right? You, you pay for wherever you're going out of town, That's all the, right. the road games and stuff like that. You are in the green before you sell a single ticket in the NFL. Or Skybox. Or uh, Jersey. Jersey. Or beer. Or hot dog. Or, um, you know, you name it. So if you're a billionaire and a team, an NFL franchise – is, is open for sale. How the hell do you not hop all over that? Well, that's why they're lining up. Uh, you know, I mean, go, that, that line would go from here to, uh, to Middletown. Well, it's that bidding war, right? I mean, is that why the, they... la the last one was like a billion dollars being sold with the Broncos, right? Well, if, I mean, the, if you the, pay the, a billion the, the dollars... The I think, broke the record. Did they? I, 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 I they have no broke. idea. Well, that I was a group. That was a group of people, though, yeah, right? Is. But still, but there's yeah, two you're... main money guys behind that commander's deal. But you're right. There are other people involved in it. Yeah. Washington just sold for $6 billion. And, like, that's that's a done deal because you'll make that money back in a decade. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people like to point out that, you know, major league owners, they buy the team at X amount, they sell it for this amount. But baseball doesn't have the cash flow that football has. Correct. Now, the Reds had more cash flow this year. But they will tell you they lost anywhere. Whether you believe or not, it's up to you. I'm not saying I believe them or don't believe them. I don't know because we, we don't have information. They don't have open books. But, the, you know, the Reds would tell you that they lost 15 to $20 million a year that each of the last four or five years when nobody went to the games. Last year, different deal. And now all of a sudden you're staring down the barrel at no television deal. We'll see how that goes. All right. We talk about your good friend and mine, Tommy DeVito. That's Victorious right. quarterback for the Giants last night. Now, look, New York, right? Actually, the Meadowlands, where allegedly Jimmy Hoff is buried somewhere around there, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. That's DeVito, right. you got the, you know, yeah, yeah, people, you know, they'll leap to conclusions. This was DeVito with his agent on the field last night before the game. How about <laughs> this dude? <laughs> he looks like Al Capone. 
That is a big league outfit right there, man. He's got the fedora, the pinstripe suit. Listen, he looks like he's got a safe house here in Little Chicago. Now, you don't think that's all over the New York newspapers today, do you? I don't. I, don't <laughs> I mean, know. come on. I don't know if it's a bit or if that's how that guy dresses, like genuinely dresses. But if it is a bit, he's got to lean into it. Regardless, oh, he's, he's got he's to wear that every – if he wears that every single game, Going forward for the Giants, he will be on the television screen like we do with uh, Taylor Swift at the Chiefs games. I mean, every every time Tommy DeVito throws a touchdown, they'll show his agent in the corner in his pinstripe suit, probably with a Tommy gun in hand, clapping him on. It, yeah. is, it is the New York Post, Tommy DeVito's agent. Oh, God, you always get the ads in the New York papers. It makes me crazy. The, 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 the agent is Sean Stellato. He is known as the Italian stallion of sports agents. He was caught last night. That, that picture you just saw a second ago. And he has never been shy about playing up his Italian-American heritage. Uh, and neither has DeVito, apparently. So that was one of the great pictures of all time last night. By the way, he will be inducted into the National Italian-American Sports Hall of Fame in Chicago this week. Really? I've actually been to that. Uh, when Jerry Colangelo, the owner of the Arizona Diamondbacks, when I was announcing the Diamondbacks team, he is a native of Chicago. We were playing the Cubs that week. They set up that induction ceremony for all of us to be there for it. And we went to his induction to nice. the Italian-American Sports Hall of Fame. Nice. Big league operation. You got any Italian heritage, Tom? Uh, and you went none. None. Right. None. But I, I love the Italians. Love them. Love them. All right, uh, Casey. Yep. Uh, you got everything ready to go for the yep. big show with um, Nick Kirby. Yep, we got to wrap the it big up. Interview. We got to wrap it up. So we're, okay, we're tomorrow not late. we got Marty Brenneman on the show, uh, among others. Be talking about whatever's going on, including the UC Bearcats against Bryant tonight. Gentlemen, have a great rest of your day. You have a great rest of your day. Thanks for joining us here on Off the Bench, Chatterbox Sports. Here we go, Nick Kirby. <laughs>